The Wonderful World of Dark Lords Report 12 The Queenswood If King Haggard's Land was a desert, where the people were parched for a single drop of magic, the Queenswood was a flood. When I emerged from the mists, the air was dense with magical energies, to the extent that the forest seemed to warp around me. The gnarled branches of the trees appeared to be terrible, grasping arms, and the eyes of the animals glittered with a hungry and malevolent intelligence. I thought that perhaps the capital city, with its shining cliffside castle, would be different. But when I arrived, I found that the roots of the trees, and indeed the very stones of the mountains, were pushing through the paving stones even as workers attempted to cut them away. Like its abhorrent queen, the capital has a beautiful, elegant facade, but cannot hide the ravenous magical energy devouring it from within. Welcome to Wonderful World of Dark Lords. I'm Tom. I'm Rachel. And we're discussing how to convert Disney movies to Ravenloft Domains of Dread, because in 1937, Walt Disney decided to traumatize the children of America. Along the way, we'll look at the Dark Lord, the domain itself, and some plot hooks and adaptation ideas to integrate the setting into your own campaign. That's right! For our 12th episode, our completion of our first season, we decided... Woo! That the best thing to do is the one that started it all. The it's been a year, guys! The, the keystone of the entire Disney movie f animated feature film as a concept. The mold that all the others are poured in. The foundation of the idea of the Disney movie. The foundation of the idea of the Disney princess. The foundation of the idea of these movies having a scene or two that scare the pants off all the children <laughs> in the audience. And the foundation of the villain being the most interesting character in the movie. I would like to say a word in defense of my boy Grumpy. <laughs> He's fun. Yes, no, he is fun. Once again, the second best character is the funny sidekick. <laughs> and honestly, those last two things together, the scare the pants off you and the villain being the most interesting character. Not the funny sidekick. That's the kind of making of this whole podcast. Yes. Is, is it coming from those two facts, being a facet of Disney movies, and that all starts here with the original 1937 Snow White. Now, Tom is saying all this as though he had planned it yeah, from right? the beginning, the way that we had planned Princess and the Frog being our Mardi Gras episode. We actually were originally planning to do Snow White for our November episode, believe it or not. We've had this mm -hmm. whole thing scripted out since, like, August. Yeah, yeah. But... Then we realized, as we were, you know, sitting down getting ready to record it, we were like, wait a minute, our Dark Lord here is a witch uh -huh. who's obsessed with being young and beautiful. Uh -huh. And, you know, in this version, big spoilers, the most obvious thing you do with her, she's Elizabeth Batherying it up. Mm -hmm. So she is a witch taking youth from other people to be young and beautiful. And spoilers for any of you who didn't listen to the Princess and the Frog episode, but our narrator is Danny from Hocus Pocus. And would have opinions about that. <laughs> listen to the Princess and the Frog episode. Yes. And that had not been revealed yet in November, and we were like, you know, we, we better we better keep that in our pocket until right. after Princess and the Frog. So, so if, if you're wondering why we did Frozen yeah. in November of all right. months, rather than winter or Christmas in July, which was our original plan right, for right. it. That's why. <laughs> that is why. So we have the archetypal foundation of the Disney villain with our Dark Lord, the Evil Queen. However, we can't just refer to the Dark Lord as the Evil Queen. <laughs> so our Dark Lord is going to be Queen Narcissa. Now, there's a little backstory there because that is not something anywhere in like the official stuff 
they ever give her name. Like, we check the credits. She's only ever referred to as the evil queen or the queen. But there was, in production, for a while, they were referring to her as Grimhilda. Because apparently there was a Wagner character named Grimhilda, who's one of the models. And so that honestly would be the best name for this Dark Lord, but that's a little too silly for it's what we're really going for. really goofy. Grimhilda is Grimhilda. a little too silly for what we're going for. Then I was doing a little research, and apparently at one point in like the 2000s, they were developing a prequel story with the evil queen, the young evil queen, not a queen yet, kind of befriending the seven dwarves. It sounds terrible, <laughs> but in that planned prequel, she was going to be named Narcissa. Because apparently they also thought Grimhilda was too yes, silly. Yes, that would be too silly. Also sort of supposed to be a little bit of a twist that it was the evil queen. And also I read that if you obviously enchanted, originally it was going to be like a straight Snow White type thing. She was just going to be the evil queen from Snow White and she was going to be Queen Narcissa. And then they kind of made it a more general Disney pastiche in general, mixed in some other stuff, and made it Nerissa. But you can kind of see the origins, even like the visual you can see is, is most based on the evil queen from Snow White. Mm -hmm. So our queen, we don't need an explanation of the name. <laughs> also, there was some, like, Mickey Mouse game. Yes. In which she has a Castle name Castle of Illusion. Castle of Illusion, okay. A name that I personally like much better, but it's also a little bit too silly, which is Miserable. Miserable. Also, and great design. They fantastic. Give her, yeah, in the Mickey Mouse game. But I really like Miserable. That's, uh -huh. that's a great name, but a little, little too little silly. little on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> but Narcissa, the nice thing is it is an actual name, but it is also a name that really fits the kind of vanity. It's great. Narcissa. Yeah. That's a good name for uh, this character. So... Once again, normally we don't need to do a whole backstory. <laughs> We're jumping right into the backstory because we need yeah. to do that for the name of the character. But why is Maleficent named Maleficent? <laughs> so our Dark Lord is the evil Queen Narcissa. Okay. Now, we are doing a version of the story that is kind of like we did with The Lion King or kind of like we did with Hunchback of Notre Dame, where it's not like a full-on AU. There's some AU in the backstory we came up with, just because we need to put up any backstory at all. But in terms of plot status, it's basically an hour into the movie for like a year, <laughs> which is one of our go-tos. Yes. But in that couple of years that are basically stretching out the midpoint of the movie, let's see what our now named, our now christened <laughs> Dark Lord, Queen Narcissa, is up to in a section we like to call... The Lord. The Lord. The ruler of the Queenswood, Narcissa, came into power through a series of events that, if coincidental, would strain credulity to the breaking point. After his first wife died in childbirth, the king fell in love with a beautiful and mysterious noblewoman. She claimed to be a distant cousin of the Delisnia line, but I found that her supposed family tree did not match up to that bloodline's, admittedly, tangled records. The king either took her claims at face value, or was so smitten with her that her lineage did not matter to him, and wed her in a scandalously short period of time. After the king's own death, Narcissa took over as regent until the young princess Snow White could inherit the throne. Snow White's mysterious disappearance in the forest was Narcissa's final stroke of unimaginable good fortune. Narcissa walks a curious line between embracing her realm's abundant magic and fearing it. Rumors persist about her use of witchcraft and alchemy to spy on her citizens, eliminate her rivals, and feed her vanity, and even a cursory examination of her castle with eldritch sight lent credence to these tales. 
However, she spends a tremendous amount of time and resources fortifying her castle against the encroaching forest, and whenever she has business beyond the city walls, she sends her huntsmen rather than braving the wilderness herself. A significant amount of her magical and personal energy is dedicated to hiding from the creatures that dwell in the mountains beyond. This is not Narcissa's only pursuit, however. She surrounds herself with the most beautiful young women in the kingdom, noble and commoner alike, and encourages vicious competition as they vie for her favor. Those who enter her inner circle often vanish soon after. I did not want to believe the rumors I heard about the ultimate fate of these women. Later experience, however, proved to me that all witches are cut from the same cloth. All right, so you're here. You've seen this movie, I hope. It's good. It's pretty good. <laughs> and you now know the name of the character, which Walt Disney did not dine to give you. You know who, thanks to us, Queen Narcissa is. <laughs> but we said Queen Narcissa is our Dark Lord. So, Rachel, what's a Dark Lord? Well, a Dark Lord is an evil being who commits some kind of act of ultimate darkness. And the dark powers look at them and say, why, hello, new friend. We want to play with you forever. And so they pick them up and they put them in a special hell created just for them. And in this section, we always like to talk about the four qualities that we think make for a really good Dark Lord, because there are some not great Dark Lords out <laughs> there. There sure are. <laughs> Boy, howdy, that domain where he's Tex Richmond and <laughs> can't laugh. But there are four qualities to make the Dark Lord not Tex Richmond, and we're going to look at how those four qualities apply to the Ur-Dark Lord, Strahd, and then say how we're going to take those and apply them to the Evil Queen, who, as written, is a little more on the Tex Richmond. Yeah, a little... Not so great Dark Lord side little of things. Flat, we, gotta, yeah. we gotta work on her a bit. So, our first quality is that act of ultimate darkness. They didn't just do a bunch of random evil stuff. They did one really evil thing. And in Strahd's case, it was killing his brother because he wanted to get with his brother's fiance. Our second quality is what they call in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, the torment. What we call, as a Disney podcast, they got what they wanted. They lost what they had. And in Strahd's case, it was, you know, congratulations. Yes, you did kill your brother. He is out of the way. There was nothing standing between you and Tetyana. Wait, Tetyana who? <laughs> Except gravity. <laughs> and the dark powers mm -hmm. constantly reincarnating her and mm -hmm. killing her over and over again. Mm -hmm. The third quality is an element of tragedy or relatability. They're not just evil for the sake of evil. There's something that kind of makes us wince with recognition. In Strahd's case, it's that unrequited love is the worst. And then the fourth quality is that the domain in some way reflects the Dark Lord and their curse. Strahd is a spooky vampire. He is the Lord of Spooky Vampire Land. He is not the Lord of Tepest. He is the Lord of Barovia. And it is a sad, boring mud slump full of boring huh. people because he killed his brother and thus said that he wanted to be alone forever. And it also reflects his loneliness of not being with Diana. So I mentioned we need to expand the backstory. Like That's the main thing where we're kind of doing technically an AU. Not that we're contradicting backstory mm -hmm. in that there is no backstory. Yeah. This, well, this... honey, she was threatened by the beauty of the little princess right. and made her be a scullery maid. That's all you need. <laughs> So, I don't know if this is even technically an AU, because it's a U. Like, we don't even have a U for so. Like, where does this lady come from, and what's her deal? We thought we had to do a lot of work on Sleeping Beauty, oh, fleshing out the yeah. kingdom. Like, it at least had, you know, the named king and queen, and some suggestion of politics. And, like, some suggestion of Maleficent's motivation. Yeah. So, in a bit, when we get more into our land section... I'm going to kind of lay out where we're getting some of this. We are not just sitting down 
and making up a backstory. There is a source for some of this material that we're, we're building off of. I'm actually pretty proud of this, but it Tom is... Tom did so much research. Oh, I sure did. <laughs> I read a whole book. But that is much more of a thing for our discussion of the land, which we know even less about than the mm. evil queen. We at least know she's vain and likes wearing black. But anyway, so Narcissa, she was a miner's daughter, poor, but she had great beauty and also this great ambition. She and great ruthlessness. So at the night of the witch's Sabbath, she traveled to the Forbidden Mountain, the kind of bald mountain where this was this witch's Sabbath. And there she bargained with the powers of darkness and specifically with a pair of hags. And it was this pair of hags needed a third to make their coven. So they granted her some of their power. And the deal was in 10 years, she would become a hag and she would join them and she'd be the junior member. And she was able to use this power to attract the eye of the king, to murder his wife, because, mm -hmm. I mean, come on. Oh, uh, yeah. To secure her own power, kind of manipulate members of the court, and then murder him. Because, come, come on. Like, obviously the evil stepmother <laughs> murdered Snow White's other parents. Mm -hmm. And so, at this point, in, like, politically, legally, she is the regent who is kind of holding power till Snow White comes of age, but she's basically taken the throne mm -hmm. and has enough personal control over the levers of power that it's not really going to be a thing. <laughs> and so our act of ultimate darkness is that murdering the original queen and the king, that using her magic to beguile the king and then murder his wife and then murder him and then probably plan to murder his daughter one mm -hmm. way or another. It didn't help that she was fairer than the queen, but I mean, that girl's days were numbered. <laughs> So then we get the torment. They got what they wanted, lost what they had. And this is what made us want to do this. You know, yeah. Rachel mentioned way early on in the process, we were sitting down and planning Snow White because it's such a great torment that we have there at the end. A great, just ironic fairy tale logic of she becomes ugly to try to be beautiful. Mm -hmm. That in, in order to kill Snow White so that she can become the fairest in the land... She becomes this horrible hack. Mm -hmm. And of course, are also obvious that wonderful, like gothic, this is her true self. Yeah. Like the, this is, like she is beautiful as the queen, but her true self, her the true image of her heart is really the the old witch, the evil hack. And even like in so much of the, the ancillary stuff, not descendants, and descendants, she's still the, the mm -hmm. beautiful queen. But in Mickey's Castle of Illusion, yeah. like I mentioned, or there was like a, a Mickey Mouse tour that they made recently, they have her be the hag because right. that's just that's her true self. That's who she is inside. Mm -hmm. And just that, yeah, her her beauty is gone. She has traded it away to be the fairest in the land. And that's great. Mm -hmm. And we so we could take that and we can make that this bigger part of the torment. So first off, as Rachel mentioned, we have that she discovered she could basically steal the life of young maidens, that she could find a young, beautiful maiden and basically Elizabeth Bathory them and <laughs> steal their life and take that beauty and keep herself young and beautiful. And also, bonus, that that staves off the curse. Mm -hmm. Because the whole deal was that when 10 years have gone by, she'll become a hag and she'll be the junior member, so she'll get all the worst chops because that's what it is to be the junior member of the mm -hmm. coffin. That's kind of why they made this deal with her. Yeah. And she knows it. And so she can steal the youth, and that kind of delays the spell. That, like, mystically makes her younger, so that delays the spell. But when she uses magic 
that sort of moves her forward, that moves her more toward her hag form. Her hag form is becoming her true form, and you have that wonderful, beautiful Dark Lord torment of she is using magic to stay young, but using magic makes her hack. But she needs that magic to kind of maintain power and also to kind of reset and make herself beautiful again. So it's she's got the running on the treadmill and the kind of sand crumbling under her feet. She and she and Dr. Facilier are on the, on yeah, the same right. robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh. <laughs> and yeah, so once again, we're obviously just taking what is there in the fiction, in the movie, and expanding on it a little bit and making not a one-time thing, mm-hmm. but more of a, no, this has been like her life for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Element of tragedy and relatability, and the first is obviously the vanity. And the reason this character has that hook is that everyone can fundamentally get it. Everyone has looked in a mirror and not liked what they saw. Everyone has felt envy toward other people, whether through physical beauty or something else, and kind of wanted to destroy them. Everyone has had the kind of sense of competition almost souring what you do have. Mm-hmm. So, Rachel, you brought this up. Yeah, that... It's not enough that she's beautiful. She has to be the most beautiful. Yes, the fairest. And the fact that she's not the fairest of them all, she can't even enjoy the fact that she is a gorgeous woman. Uh-huh. But it doesn't matter because Snow White is more beautiful. And that right. just is all she can think about, all she cares about. And we all have that thing where we want to be the very best like no one ever was. Yeah, yeah. And it just eats us alive when somebody else is better at it than we are. I I feel like that's universal. Yeah, like if there's something you are proud of, something Mm -hmm. you consider a great talent and a great strength, and there was someone who is better, it's very hard not to feel resentment and not to kind of want to send a huntsman to cut their heart out and present (laughs) present it to you in a fancy box. And then the domain reflects the Dark Lord personality and the curse. This we had to make up for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was... (laughs) Boy, howdy. We thought the Sleeping Kingdom didn't give us much Oh, boy. Oh, boy, howdy. So, this is... We're jumping ahead a little bit into the land, but we can't talk about how the domain reflects Mm -hmm. the personality, the Dark Lord, without any discussion of the domain at all. The core hook is that image of the surface versus reality. The beautiful mask and the ugly reality the mask is hiding so we are imagining this society of great wealth and beauty this very sparkling court once again we don't see that but you know we see her like beautiful sumptuous throne room and the absolutely amazing peacock room and her queenly raiment and Mm -hmm. she is there's all the gorgeous like velvets and silks and so this clearly is uh, wealth and society and this presents itself as this very beautiful, sparkling, sophisticated, wealthy court. But it is under the surface, this kind of crumbling, brutal police state that, you know, we do have when she has her huntsman and he does not seem phased at all about being sent to kill mm-hmm. someone. It's just when to find out Snow White. And so we have assassination is clearly a thing. We're imagining the Huntsman as kind of a secret police type organization. Torture is clearly a thing. If you're thirsty, you want to drink? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that there's this dungeon full of skeletons that she's torturing. Like that is clearly a thing. So she, this seems to anyone who visited like this beautiful, sparkling, wealthy court, but it is this horrible police state under the surface. And this also is in the reflection of the torment that... As she's clenching her fist tighter, 
it's making resentment and pushback grow and grow and grow. So that wonderful classic Dark Lord torment that you see in a lot of them with the steps she's taking to secure her power are undermining her power. Mm -hmm. Like the things she's doing in an attempt to crush rebellion are furthering rebellion. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that we don't as much see in the movie, but that we I personally find a lot more interesting. I, I, right, I don't yeah. want to say weird, but I can't speak for Tom here. Because, like, yeah, police, state, like, brutal, crackdown, blah, 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 blah. We have a lot of that. Yeah, we have a couple of those. But the really great thing with Snow White is the fairy tale forest, like, the black forest, mm -hmm. the, you know, all of that, like, Grimm's fairy tale. You know, it's a forest full of dwarves, and just everyone knows. They're dwarves. Right, yeah. That's fine. Like, Snow White's not like, oh my gosh, dwarves are real? She's like, oh boy, you're dwarves. And we're talking a lot about that forest in a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so we really wanted to do stuff with that forest. And the fact that the queen has made this bargain with these hags and that she's trying to kind of forestall that, we're imagining that she's really trying to make her kingdom, and especially her capital city, be this big sort of bastion of civilization, mm -hmm. kind of in contrast to the forest. She wants the forest out. She wants any magic that's not hers out because she doesn't know how the hags are going to get in that way. She just wants it to be just lovely and civilized. Right, very sterile, very mm -hmm. controlled. But then we even see, like, the castle in the movie, which apparently has three people living in it. Yeah, right. That when we see those people living in it, there's just Snow White, her one and only scullery maid, sitting uh -huh. on the stairs. And the courtyard is really overgrown. Just there's just ivy and mm -hmm. just plants. Ever, and, like, to me, it didn't look like a garden. It looked like a very, like, overgrown, almost gothic crumbling castle. Right, right. Even though the castle itself wasn't crumbling, it was all maintained. Mm -hmm. So kind of this idea that all of that is breaking through, that you've got the forest is sort of breaking into the city, that you'll go to bed and you know, everything will be totally normal and you wake up the next morning and your front yard is just overgrown. Mm. And there will be like a tree starting to break through the middle of the town square. Mm -hmm. so like just that image of her goal is like the perfect stone road. But it keeps having plants grow through the cracks and like yeah. disrupt it and shake it up and make mm -hmm. it uneven and they just, you can't kill them and you can't stamp them out. Just she owes the spirits of the forest and the spirits of the forest are coming to collect whether she likes it or not. She cannot keep them out. And that also is going to give her reluctance to go into the forest. Mm -hmm. That is going to be part of our plot. Yes. That she does eventually. That's kind of the end point. But... In our story, in that kind of mid, let's take an hour into the movie, but make it two years, mm -hmm. that she is trying a lot of other things, really resisting personally going into the forest because she is she knows there's this kind of looming debt that she owes, and the more she gets into the forest, the more likely it is to be collected. Yeah, so she knows Snow White's out there, but she's not going out there herself for as long as she can put it off. So, as a Dark Lord, she has certain powers and abilities. Some of them are just for being queen and you can order <laughs> people killed. Others are unique to being a Dark Lord. So, Rachel, what are some Dark Lord powers she could have? <laughs> uh, well, one of them is just kind of the political powers. Yeah, right. that she's like, you know, she's got the, the servants, she's got the huntsmen, they're like her assassins and her secret police. They're her time store car got. Uh -huh. And again, we do see with the huntsman, you know, he is totally cool with, you know, my faithful husband, go kill somebody for right. me. Yeah, all right. So she's got like these secret police that she calls the huntsman. 
and they're going out and you know enforcing for this is a little of the what they did with the action snow white with the hemsworth mm. and i believe jessica chastain and we do even have the whole take snow white take the princess to gather flowers and he's like yeah okay so that even like they've functioned as bodyguards before mm, yeah that this huntsman has it's completely a normal mundane request that he kill someone or that he go take the little princess and watch her while she takes wildflowers. <laughs> it's just the putting the two together that shocks him. <laughs> it's like peanut butter and pickles. Right, it's yeah. not working. And then she she's a powerful spellcaster. We mostly see her working through alchemy. Mm-hmm. She's making these potions. You could really spin that as kind of like an Ivana Barizzi kind of thing. I mm-hmm. mentioned that Ivana has... Her poisons and potions and alchemical brews and things are basically casting the spells. So if you wanted to kind of maintain that flavor that we see the Wicked Queen having, then you could just basically do like with Ivana, where you know she makes these potions and they can have the effect of pretty much any spell she wants. Mm-hmm. And then she has her inherent hag powers. Right, right. And honestly, more than anything, we want to have the evil queen because she has a potion dungeon. Like, she does she have a She has a secret passage dungeon. and a dungeon and a potion lab with evil spell books mm-hmm. and like a skull candle. And, like, mm-hmm. We have to work this lady into our yes. thing. There's a, it's got skeletons in it. You know right. those skeletons are going to come to life yeah, and right. attack you. Like, it's so cool. And then, yeah, we see this crow that she's talking to a little bit and kind of mm-hmm. cackling at and everything. So I figure we can have that be her familiar. That's fine. All right, that makes it's the classic not, for a reason. Yeah, not, it's not as much her familiar as Maleficent yes, is. Yes, yes. But it's clearly a precursor. Tom, what is going on with these pet panthers? I see pet panthers pet in panthers. the outline. <laughs> there was concept art giving her pet panthers. Ah, okay. Because it even fits the aesthetic of kind of the sleek black. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, absolutely, if I were like, oh yeah, there was a deleted scene where she had pet panthers. Oh, yeah. You'd be like, yeah, checks out. And there wasn't a full-on deleted scene, but there was concept art. And, I mean, come on, you gotta give her a pet. You could just imagine them, like, slinking up next right, to next her. Right, next to her, her throne. Like, heading, and, yeah. heading them as they walk by. Oh, yes, my pet. Like, <laughs> and... So you, we're, we're making this like a lady you boss fight <laughs> or that like you have, she has to have minions you boss fight. And this is a great set of like minions for you to boss fight. Yes. It'll feel very flavorful and very evocative. And that's why our <laughs> script says with no context, pet panthers. <laughs> Presumably two, one for your side of her throne. Yeah, no, I like believe this. that was the yeah. art, yeah. <laughs> and it's pet panthers because they're pet panthers, but also she could pet the panthers. <laughs> So dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And then closing the borders, this is one where we see it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got that scene where Snow White is running away and she runs into the forest and suddenly it's scary. Yeah, yeah. So just kind of doing like that, but the forest becomes impassable. You could have it be that it's just illusions. It basically casts fear. Uh And then your, your PCs get so wigged out that they have to turn around and run back in. Or you could have it be that there are actual, like, tree monsters and animal monsters coming after them and hurting them back. Oh, believe me, this is not the last of our discussion of that scene. Of that, mm-hmm. that first of our classic Disney trauma yes. horror, filmed like a horror movie scene. <laughs> uh, that's a really important scene for our purposes, converting it to Ravenloft, and we are going to be coming back to that. Yes. And then finally, in the write-up, the Venice write-up, which is, of course, this template we're using. We are going to write all this and put it in the Van Richten's Guide style. And they have the Dark Lord write-up, and they have the role-playing tips. And they put that in the form of your classic NPC, role-playing trait, ideal bond, and flaw. And they give them as quotes, which is a cool way to do that. And we, of course, need to have quotes that are actually quotes from the story itself. So we always try and come up with quotes that can fit those role-playing trait, ideal bond, and flaw. 
Some of them are easy, like a Jack Skellington who sings songs about his interiority, or as we mentioned in a previous episode, a Frollo, whose oh, every single line is his flaw. And, and also his straight and ideal and his ideal and, and possibly his mom. Yeah. So we just had an embarrassment of riches for those skinny guys. But here is much, much, much Gosh. harder because this is so tight. This is so just archetypal fairy tale. This is just, we are like getting from plot point to plot point to plot point involving the evil queen. She doesn't get a song. She doesn't get a song. Yeah, exactly. That's our, a lot of places we get our villain stuff from is the song because that's a big interiority moment. This was a job of work to go through, yeah. comb through every line she said and look for ones that made any kind of sense as an ideal Bond flaw, etc. We actually, we're doing it the way that we did it for Nightmare Before Christmas where we each came up with our trade uh-huh. ideal bond of law for the opposite reason of we each kind of scraped through yeah. and found the best things we could and we're going from there. So, this is our best. We're sorry. This isn't, yes. the, this isn't the best, mm-hmm. but this is us doing our best. I feel like let's actually start a little, uh-huh. little bit unusually. Oh, so, this is live, rather, baby. Rather than, rather than giving, you know, what is, what is your trait, what is right. your... Where did you put Magic Mirror on the wall who's the fairest one of all? Because that's got to be one. Yeah, flaw. Okay, I had it for ideal. Because uh, yeah, it's yes. It's a good flaw, though. Because yes, it is both. Who's the who's the fairest? It has to, she mm-hmm. has to be the fairest one of all. That's a mm-hmm. good flaw. And this touches on another problem we sometimes have with these villains, is that they do have these very integrated, big personalities. Mm-hmm. So as we mentioned, basically every line Frollo says is his flaw and his ideal mm-hmm. and his trait. And his bond. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing here. Of Yes, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest on the wall, is the iconic quote. We have to have yes. it. But you honestly, you could use it for every single one of these. Mm-hmm. It could be the trait. It could be the ideal. It could be the bond. It could be the flaw. Yeah. I picked the flaw because I think it's the one that drives her to make the big mistake she makes mm-hmm. in the movie is her desire to be fairest. And even the, like, asking the mirror. And that is that just archetypal moment of vanity and like even the insecurity of vanity mm. you just the whole is not just that she's incredibly vain she's she's incredibly insecure about her looks yeah so you are convincing me Ooh. I, we'll, we'll talk through all of our right, all yes. of our things we have so i i had it for ideal because once again this is the like the way that she sees herself right no is yeah. the mirror saying it's you and she stands in front of the mirror and it mm-hmm. praises her and oh darling you're the fairest one of all but you're, you're, you're bringing right. me around. We'll see, we'll see what we come up with here. It's something that was helpful with the Frollo one. Mm-hmm. Where it's really trying to zoom in on not just what is the psychological truth of this character, but what is the GM need to roleplay this character. Mm-hmm. So the most useful thing for a flaw in the write-up is what is the kind of flaw the PCs are going to be able to exploit. Mm-hmm. Or that it's going to lead them to make mistakes or it's going to lead them to, like, do action so that the PCs are going to perceive as a flaw that they can, like, take advantage of. Right. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. So that was my flaw. That was your ideal. Mm-hmm. So what is your flaw? My flaw was now a formula to transform my beauty into ugliness. Mm. The idea that she's so short-sighted. Right. She, you can get her to take stupid risks and make stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, and it, was, it was kind of going for the same sort of thing, the how can you use this right. as a GM and as a PC. Mm-hmm. And it's that this is the thing she's valued most in the world. Uh-huh. And she's going to trade it away. That is good. That so, is good. And that is a good. I really wanted to include that. I don't have the... Beauty to ugliness, but that's a really good mm-hmm. one. So my ideal uh-huh. 
Her breath will still, her blood <laughs> congeal. Now I'll be the fairest in the land. I had that for Bond. Golly potatoes. <laughs> so I picked ideal because I'll be the fairest. I'll be the fairest mm-hmm. in the land. And it's, it's, it's the I will murder to be the fairest in the land. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking this also can kind of tie into our sort of the idea that she's actually killed several young women to maintain her beauty. Mm. And so this could kind of be not just about Snow oh, White, nice. but to about, like, that this is, like, her policy. Right. Vis-a-vis beautiful young maids uh-huh. is the, their parents will still, her blood congeal. Now be the fairest in the land. I had it for Bond because then you also get Snow White in there. Like, no, it's her, yeah, it's her yeah. Bond wanting to be the fairest in the land and also her Bond to Snow White. Yeah. So, yeah. what did you have for Bond? And now a special sort of death. For one so fair. Great! Okay. This this is like one of those like slider puzzle games where we have the same blocks and we just need to slide them around and find the best like configuration. Well, why did why did you why did you go bond for that one? Um The idea of her, I don't, I don't even remember anymore. Um, the, <laughs> what even is a bond? What even is a bond with this lady? <laughs> I think that it was the bond we were getting, kind of the poisoning, which touches on the sort of magic and alchemy and stuff, mm-hmm. the special sort of death, and also the, like the, the special sort of death, like the vanity, and I just want to kill her. I want to like kill her in this in this particularly horrible way, and the for one so fair. That once again, sort of the time to destroy this person mm-hmm. who's fairer than me. So this is just I, I don't remember anymore. Um, I, I had it for trait for very similar reasons. That it's mm-hmm. it's so sadistic, yeah. it's so spiteful, mm-hmm. it's so like she's a planner. You know, yeah, she's yeah, she's, yeah. she's not gonna fly in without a plan. She's got to sit down and meticulously pick the special sort of death for one so fair. And the fact it's so again the, the spite, the pettiness that mm-hmm. it's it's a very personal that it's it's a special sort of death specifically because you have the audacity to be fairer than me. Yeah, no, I'm cool with that as trait. Yeah. Cool. My trait, and once again, mm-hmm. we could maybe fit this in somewhere else, but and there, my faithful huntsman, you would kill her. Silence. You know the penalty if you fail. I, I looked yeah. at that for a long time and yeah. I couldn't figure out where I wanted to put it. So. I was thinking trait in terms of the PCs are most likely to encounter her mm-hmm. as the kind of dictator queen. Mm-hmm. Like ordering assassinations mm-hmm. and ordering torture, and you know the penalty if you fail. That this is sort of this is the single quote she has that touches on any kind of political structure in the kingdom. Yeah, that's fair, but I think it's also the least interesting thing about yeah, her, and there's yeah. not much interesting about her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I think okay. like everything else with just the vindictiveness, the spitefulness, right. the envy is more. Yeah. I am totally cool having our trait be the special sort of death one. So fair, you brought yeah. me around on that one. Yeah, you've brought me around. Her her flaw should be mirror mirror on the yeah. wall. He's the first one of all. It's perfect. Plus, that's just that's that's the that's her. It's the iconic quote. It's so much her. And it also, like, I feel, you know, any reader, any player, any whatever, they're going to immediately get what it is that that's her flaw. Yeah. Or even, you know, your PCs are going to be going in saying, okay, what do we know about this lady before we even meet her in, with metagaming? She's mm-hmm. in. How are we going to play on her vanity? So, okay, so we still need the ideal and the bond. So one of them is the her breath will steal her blood congeal and I'll be fairest in the land. Because uh-huh. we both had that. Breath will steal her blood congeal and I'll be the fairest in the land. So ideal. You have that as the bond, yes? Yes. Okay. It was kind of the, um, the bond to both her wanting to be fairest in the land and the bond to Snow White. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm cool with that. Okay, cool. So now the ideal. That is tricky. Are we gonna are we gonna have to like pause this while we go look, look for up more another quote? Yeah, because I don't see I don't see anything. Like it's obviously not now a formula to transform our beauty into ugliness. Mm-hmm. Another thing I considered for the flaw was love's first kiss. Bah! No fear of that. The dwarves will think she's dead. She'll be buried yes. alive! Yes! Buried alive! She's so in love with her own cleverness. Yes, and like the sadism. Uh-huh. The sadism, yeah. yeah. So I consider that for flaw, but it didn't make sense out of context, and I don't think it works for ideal either, so. I looked at one really long and hard, mm-hmm. and it was, she she is the apple, mm-hmm. and it's the, it like turns black and has the skull, and she says, look, on the skin, the symbol of what lies within. And I feel like there's that kind of a deeper resonance with the whole idea of the vanity and the mm. surface. I really wanted to do something with that, with like the sur- the idea of the surface versus the the inside and like the the true reality being reflected in the appearance. I wanted to do something with that. So the yeah. look on the skin, the surface of what lies within. Mm-hmm. And so the ideal needs to be something about being the fairest in the land like that Mm -hmm. is her ideal yeah her ideal is to be the fairest in the land and oh maybe something with when she she has the mirror and he says there's one fairer than you says alas for her reveal her name Mm. you have the great alas for her Mm -hmm. um i'll fix it i'll crush her bones that's clearly her ideal clearly Um. her ideal is crushing bones Maybe you know the penalty if you fail. Oh yeah, kind of like the I am like the queen. Yeah, I dig the, it. Yeah, it's, it's the best we're gonna do. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you know the penalty if you fail. The idea, the idea that she's the queen. She's mm-hmm. the, she's got the power of she's, life and death. Yeah, yeah she well, life and death. And I really want to include that exchange mm-hmm. in some context because, as like I said, that's our only like mm-hmm. the only time we ever see her exercise queenship mm-hmm. is in that little exchange with the huntsman. Yes. And any kind of hint of the wider order of this society. Mm-hmm. So you can see, dear listeners, we've got, like, the five useful quotes from the yeah. game of in this movie, <laughs> trying desperately to slot them in correctly. Doop, 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 doop. I hope we got it. Yeah. So this, there's a lot, I promise we edited a lot of pauses out as we were looking at we quotes sure on our did. phones just now. You <laughs> um, just got the good parts version. There's not much to say. As wonderful as the evil queen is, and she's still selling merchandise today, mm-hmm. she is on the cover of the first villainous expansion. As wonderful as she is, there really isn't that much to say about her. And in canon, there is even less to say about the setting. Because, mm-hmm. like Rachel said, boy, we thought Sleeping Beauty was thin <laughs> on the ground. Yeah. This is even less. But, as we also said earlier... We found something that gave us something we could use for a lot of backstory. We have so much German folklore to draw on. That also lets us build out the land a lot more. So we actually are going to have a lot, weirdly enough, Mm -hmm. a lot more to say about the land, the domain, than we do about the queen itself in a section we like to call... The Land. The land. While the Queenswood is home to multiple mining and lumbering villages and a handful of true cities, the vast majority of the kingdom is dominated by the Hearts Mountains and the thick forests covering them. The forests are home to all manner of fey creatures and magical beasts. One might encounter anything from bloodthirsty redcaps to territorial dryads to wolves the size of horses. The people speak of frenzied witches' sabbats that occur at the equinoxes and solstices, in which hags from all domains come to worship and make sacrifices to the evil spirits of the mountains. 
I admit to being relieved that my visit did not coincide with any of these bacchanals. Despite the supernatural dangers of the mountains and the forest, the common folk of the Queens would venture there often to harvest a bounty of natural resources, for the mountains are rich in silver and gems. No one wishes to penetrate the forest too deeply, however. It seems that my experience with the grasping, looming trees was not a mere attack of nerves. Many miners have turned back after seeing their deepest fears reflected in the trees, and one logger swore to me that her brother was devoured by crocodiles, which had been floating logs a moment before, and became floating logs again afterward. There is a common saying in the Queenswood, if you bring darkness in your heart, the forest will reflect it. The inverse of this, however, is the legend that one who is pure of heart has nothing to fear from the forest, which has birthed the persistent rumor that Princess Snow White is still alive, living in the heart of the forest, and tended by blights turned gentle as summer flowers. A bard in Quedlinburg sang a poignant song about how the Harz Mountains longed to possess her forever, as she was more beautiful than all their riches, and so they transformed her into a nymph so that her purity and loveliness would never be lost. The next morning, the bard had vanished without a trace, his door hanging from a single broken hinge. Now, the Lord section was a little bit of a challenge mm -hmm. because there is not a ton about her past, about her biography, about her interiority. She doesn't get a villain song, but there was anything at all. <laughs> and the land section is much more of a challenge for us, mm -hmm. but I think something where we really found some interesting stuff and actually kind of almost more excited because a lot of this is original. Yeah. With Sleeping Beauty, it was like there was more stuff, but also that gave it just enough of kind of its own personality. Right. But like, it was kind of like the uncanny valley of being able to do stuff. <laughs> Here there's almost nothing, but yeah. that means there can be anything. There's a big blank canvas. Which I know for some GMs is the whole, like, why did I even buy the supplement? But <laughs> that's what, we're, we're, we're making the supplement for you, so you don't have right. to do that work. So we don't have much about the queen, but we have anything, which is not what we have about the setting. Mm -hmm. We have literally nothing. There is four humans in this entire mm -hmm. place. There's a castle, and there's a cottage in the woods. <laughs> And there is, the very fact that we can say there is a town is because in the establishing shot of the castle, we can see, like, a city next to it. Like, it's like the, like the castle of a settlement. That's how we can definitively say it's not just a castle in the middle of nowhere and a dwarf's cottage <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. There are four humans, there are seven dwarves, that is everybody in this movie, it's everything we hear about. <laughs> and some animals. Now, I hope this isn't arrogant, but I like to think that when we talk through our process, that's A, that's interesting to you, which you're listening to it, so that's, that's a good, good clue there. B, that's helpful. If you mm -hmm. are a GM, if you are planning, if you are building a setting or building a session or building a story or adapting a story, that hearing how we take something and go through the steps of how we adapt it into something for a Ravenloft domain is helpful. And hopefully in this particular case, it'll especially be interesting for the Disney nerds because Tom, as is his want, went and mm -hmm. did a, a Disney deep dive so that we could go and figure out what the heck we were doing with this domain. So, so I was looking into the publicity material, like the, the making of stuff. The, and there's a lot, by the way. This is oh, yeah. like <laughs> Snow White is so important in film history. This is one of those things where like the research is bottomless. Like mm -hmm. you could just spend your entire life researching Snow White. But I didn't find anything immediate that was like, and she's the queen, and here's the town's name, or here's the name of the kingdom, or here's the name. 
anything about the politics or all the people are scared of her high taxes or anything that we could have used. But in researching what they said about her, I found one thing, <laughs> but it was the kind of thing that we can then take and build an entire setting out of. Mm -hmm. So this is from, it was a publicity book released by Disney uh, for the, you know, to promote the movie and trying to get like movie theaters to be interested in the movie and just to promote it. And a lot of it's like, it's a feature, it's animated. Can you believe, you won't believe your eyes how long this cartoon is. <laughs> it's an hour. But there was this section just talking about some of the background because they want to say this is this classic folktale. This is this classic legend. It's the, the beloved story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And they talk about how, you know, there's this sort of Germanic folklore. Uh, many peasants believe that dwarfs really existed. And here, here is where we just, ah, yes, this is everything I need right here coming up. All right, so rural superstitions have always credited the Hearts Mountains with being the favorite haunt of spirits and fairies, both good and bad. Among the good ones are the elves who protect the princess and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Blah, blah, blah. And here's the critical point. We're using dwarves, elves, and gnomes it interchangeably interchangeable. here, by the way. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons nightmare. <laughs> but here, here's where we got, got it. In the original legend, the queen sells herself body and soul to the bad spirits of the mountains. Therefore, she is able to work her witchcraft upon innocent people as she does in the picture. So this is a secondary text right but it is an official disney thing which tells us that it's setting the legend specifically in this region of germany called the hearts mountains and all the sort of supernaturalness the magic of the queen the dwarves of the dwarves are kind of connected to the folklore of the hearts mountains and that is all you need so first off, it's great to have that. That's where I told you. That's where mm -hmm. we get the whole, she goes and she pledges herself to the hags and like it's this magical power. We're just getting that from nowhere. We got that from this quote, from this publicity thing. But more important, it gives us a region. Yes. And then region then we can build the setting around. So the Hearts Mountains, not, I, I'm not going to go into the whole thing about it. Um, <laughs> as much as the you minimum, want to. What's the minimum you need to know about the Hearts Mountains, dear listener? Um <laughs> The Hartz Mountains are a region in kind of central, north-central Germany. It is sort of a region that was the border between East and West Germany in the Cold War, for those of our more us-aged listeners. <laughs> and there were two Germanys once, young there fellas. Were, there were. Young folk. I am an army brat, and I lived in Germany as a kid so that one Germany could keep an eye on the other yeah, Germany. Right? <laughs> That's why I said I'd be able to pronounce the German yeah, better. Yeah. And the mountains were this very wild and undeveloped land because they were mountains with thick forests. And they were pretty undeveloped until the Middle Ages when, like, veins of silver were discovered. Mm -hmm. So they still are less developed, kind of like the, the newer towns than a lot of, like, the really old regions of Germany. They don't have anything dating back to, like, the Romans or anything. And you have mining. So you have silver as an obvious thing, but also a lot of, like, gems and crystals. So that's kind of where we're getting the, the seven dwarfs from, the idea of these mining spirits. Of course, wherever you have mining, you have a lot of folklore about mining spirits. And the mountains have this really deep sense of folklore, this really deep sense of this being sort of the realm of spirits and this being like the mm -hmm. forest you go into. I know, help me out here, huh? Um, <laughs> Goethe? Goethe, Goethe, yeah. 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 Goethe. 
the German author, Faust, uh, wrote some stuff about that. Like, visited the region and wrote in one of his books about visiting the region. And one of the things was there was a very famous, like, crystal cave. Is that where the Walpurgisnacht yes. sequence in Faust is? Yes, it okay. is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you for uh, setting up my next point, honey. <laughs> oh, Goethe's Faust is bonkers. If you guys <laughs> have not... Like, I really enjoyed Marlowe's Faust. I took a course on Faust Legends, and I really enjoyed Marlowe's Faust. It had a clear beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> And then we got the Goethe's Faust. <laughs> what the ever-loving potatoes what? is happening in this? The Jiminy Crickets <laughs> is happening. Yes, that that's there is a mountain, like it's a mountain range, and there is one mountain called the Brocken, which is like a bald mountain, right? It's one of those mountains that's so high, the top doesn't have forest on it. And so, like a lot of these mountains, there's this sort of legend of it being a site of, of a witches and demons and evil things gathering on Walpurgisnacht. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of one of the things it's most famous for now is because of Goethe, because he kind of made, made that this very well-known site of a witch's Sabbath, site of Walpurgisnacht. So yes, that is where, <laughs> that is where Goethe's, uh, the, the Walpurgisnacht sequence in Faust happens. And that's also, by the way, where we got specifically this idea of she get she went to the Forbidden Mountain, met the hags. Mm-hmm. It was that. Like, she went to a Walpurgis night. Yeah. And there were these hags there that were looking for a third hag to complete their coven. And that's where she, uh, Narcissa, went and uh, got her, her evil hag witch powers. Mm-hmm. We're planning on doing stuff with the Bald Mountain later, but if you want a plop chair and a bog yeah, yeah. in the middle of, yeah. of the Hearts Mountains, go right ahead. <laughs> so... This is the thing. Once you have a region, once you find that one little inn that gives you a region, you have everything mm-hmm. you need. We have an entire setting now. We have the we could go into so much more detail. You know, I'm gonna basically give you like the the capital, the castle town, and then like two other towns just to have a setting. I gotta give you a half dozen easy. Mm-hmm. A dozen easy, because there are actual locations in the Hearts Mountains. Yeah, like we've and by we I mean Tom. <laughs> Tom's done <laughs> the like... royal we. The nuptial <laughs> we. Tom's done like a bunch of research and everything in order to be able to like do the basics that we need. But like especially if you're into kind of folklore and Brothers Grimm yeah, and yeah. like especially German folklore and stuff, go to a deep dive into the Hearts Mountains. Yeah. Do that for your Snow White domain or for any domain you want to do. Like if you want, just like transfer mm. all the stuff over to the Balanox and have a wee of a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like a lot of people associate Brothers Grimm with uh, the Black Forest, mm-hmm. and yet, yes. Yeah. But they also, <laughs> a number of the sources are from the kind of ethnographic stuff they were doing around the Hearts Mountains. And there is this very strong tradition, once again, you know, it's all folklore, so it's very fuzzy, but there is a strong tradition of that being like the Snow White folklore coming from this region. I love when you talk German folklore to me. <laughs> so anyway, our kingdom, what we're calling the Queenswood, Narcissus Kingdom, this is a small kingdom in the mountains, and these mountains are borders of the Feywild. So they are the deep forest in these mountains. It's kind of one of those areas where you're getting so far away from kind of the edge of the material world. The walls between the world are thin, like, like you would imagine the Black Forest and kind of an occult world, this place where you're getting away from sort of the human world and the walls between the worlds are thin and a lot of the, in D&D terms, the Feywild bleeds over. So this was generally a, a small and isolated area, but in the past, you know, maybe century, there's been this boom in wealth and prestige as these kind of rich, 
silver and gem mines are discovered in these mountains, like we see the dwarves mining. And so it's got much more of a kingdom now, much more of a structure, much more like traffic, much more development, but it still has the deep, dark forest and it still has a lot of Feywild characteristics. Mm -hmm. And one of those characteristics is it's responding to emotions. This is how we are doing that sequence, that great sequence where Snow White is running through the forest. This idea is not just purely her imagination, but the terror she is feeling is actually kind of reaching out and warping the world around her because she's going into the forest. She's getting closer to the Feywild. She's going away from the stability of kind of the human kingdom that her terror is now shaping. Those logs are kind of actually changing into alligator monsters Mm. because of her. The trees are actually like reaching for her and grabbing for her because of her terror. Or then we even have the thing where the vultures are following the queen when she is going after Snow White because this idea they can like sort of respond to the death, to her intention. Mm-hmm. She she is going with this murder in her heart and the vultures sort of pick up that changing the world. And you could do something also with that if you wanted to also emphasize the goodness as well as the evil. Then you've then got Snow White and she's kind mm-hmm. of able to influence the animals. Yes, yes, yes. So like especially if, you know, Mark off your bingo card in the old material. material. There was the idea of the innocent. And an innocent was like you know, your your gothic innocent type. You, you know, the, the the maiden in the long white dress who's uh-huh. being pursued by, you know, the mm-hmm. horrible vampiric monster or what have you. The the Christine. The Chris, the Christine Daye, mm-hmm. uh k- kind of the Mina Harker, although Mina Harker's got more spine to her. Mm-hmm. Mina Harker's my girl, she's the gothic innocent with a spine and I love her. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so kind of that figure and the idea that if you have someone who is an innocent, that they're also kind of able to shape the world around right. them and kind of like bring out that joy and that innocence in the surrounding fate world. Once again, I feel like a lot of you Phantom of the Opera is a pretty safe reference yeah. point. And <laughs> like, if you say the Christine, we say Snow White and then we like Disney Princess and then we say the Christine Die, you're probably like, oh wow, I totally see mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how, yes, there's a lot of the Disney Princess, especially early Disney Princess mm-hmm. DNA comes from that kind of Christine Die type. Yeah. And even the like, oh, her her goodness sort of in the musical sort of br- ends up redeeming the Phantom. It like, sort mm-hmm. of brings out the best in him, her just inherent goodness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Snow White's sort of doing that, but it's with the forest animals and not a incel in a basement. Yeah, it's a thing that never gets done in Dracula adaptations. It drives me bananas. It's really cool. Yeah, Mina actually redeems Renfield. It's um, really that good. Mina so good. is the only one who treats him like a human being yeah. because he's Renfield. He's, uh, you know, trying to read him Boogity Boo in the asylum. But Mina talks to him like he's a person. Uh-huh. And he, like, falls in love with her, but not, not in a creepy way, just in a, like a grumpy falling in love with Snow White way. Right, yeah. And he smells Dracula on her the next time she comes. And he's like, Mm-mm, nope. And he turns on Dracula. Yeah, and just, it's so good. It's so a, good. Oh, that's not, the adaptation's never going to write. It drives you crazy. But yeah, so that that kind of thing. And once again, you're, you're seeing, hopefully, yeah, there's like a river of this type. And kind of all these things are in that river. Mm-hmm. So you've also got this idea that this forest she goes into, she meets the seven dwarves. But that that's... Everyone knows that the forest, there's all sorts of spirits and creatures. Once again, she's not like dwarves. That's impossible. That's in the world of fantasy. She thinks it's children at first, but then it's like, yeah, okay, dwarves. (laughs) These, like, mythical little minor dudes are in the house that I live in now. 
that's that that's this kind of setting. These are people that kind of know they're living on the border mm-hmm. of a Grimm's fairy tale. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, once again, if there had been like a she took a wrong turn and saw a gingerbread house, you would not have been shocked. Yeah. That fits the tone of this movie and that fits really the tone of this domain. This is a domain of a lot of like dark Grimm's fairy tales, which once again, that's a cool like uh, place we could put something. Mm-hmm. There's there's room in Ravenloft for a the dark Grimm's fairy tales mm-hmm. domain. It's basically what Tepes used to be. Mm-hmm. So that we're kind of kind of refilling that ecological niche here. I do want to suggest you might think of using Chapter Two in the DMGS Feywild Magic Rules and this idea of that you when you are in the Feywild, it is the kind of world of fairy. So they have like rules for time moving differently. You know, you make a roll because it's Dungeons and Dragons. You own a chart. <laughs> That's the love language. It's- <laughs> of this game and so you roll on a chart and it's like yeah you think you're in there for two days then you come out and like a month's gone by Mm -hmm. or vice versa you're in there for a month and you come out and it's you were gone you've been gone for two days and so that fits right this whole Mm -hmm. story you know if you started a stopwatch at the beginning it's about it's three days tops like maybe 48 hours the whole thing yeah but you feel like time has passed it feels like snow white is in them, because I think in the original story, she's there for much longer. Yes. And so Disney's sort of abbreviating it like they do. Uh, similarly in Peter Pan, the whole, like, yeah, the the movie is a, a weekend. And <laughs> the book, they're there for months, if not years, mm-hmm. in Neverland. But the same thing, the Snow White's with the dwarves for a much longer period in the story, but here it's like a weekend. But it feels like time has passed. It feels like she's kind of part of their life. It feels like she's settled into the cottage and they kind of have this life together. Mm-hmm. So that kind of fits the Feywell magic rules. Yeah. We're going to try and come up with some rules in the write-up that will be the how the environment can change and respond to strong emotions. Mm-hmm. That's a little tricky to nail down. And if we can't think of any rules, we don't see any rules, then we couldn't crack it. We actually... I... <laughs> Where are we cracking it now? <laughs> we actually, in, in our, our stinger for part two of our Hunchback episode, uh, I almost got, started going on about sinkholes of evil, and then Aslan very helpfully, without even knowing yeah, this yeah. was a deleted scene, talked about sinkholes of evil. But there was stuff in the older material, mm-hmm. bingo. Double, um, double, <laughs> double shot of that tonight. About sinkholes of evil that kind of, there was a resonance in different places, and it would have, it would depend on where you were, like what the resonance was, and what the, kind of what the most like overwhelming evil thing would be. So, like if you went into Strahd's castle, it might be lust. If you went into a torture chamber, it might be agony, and everything would like look all creepy and all like perfectly innocent things would look like implements of torture. And here you could do it that the resonance is fear. So if you're able to find the sinkhole of evil rules, then that's a, that's a way to go. Because we want to do have that positivity that if mm-hmm. like someone comes in with joy and with love and with hope, then the environment changes. Snow White comes in with kindness, this mm-hmm. intense kindness, and that kindness actually shapes the world she's in. Sinkhole of nice. Sinkhole of niceness. <laughs> and the sinkhole of sugar makes, <laughs> makes the trees not attack you. One final thing, if talking about the idea of a forest, the idea of a Feywild, of using the Feywild, there is one resource you have available to you, which is the Adventure Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Which, by the way, if you are in our audience, if you are running for kids, if you're thinking of doing D&D for kids, I highly recommend mm. this campaign. I think it's one of the best campaigns that Wizards has done in the last couple of years. I think it's, like, the best for, like, a younger audience, especially if you want kind of that fairy tale vibe. 
it doesn't quite have the dark fairy tale vibe that we're going for with our kind of Feywild dark forest. And I want to have this as kind of a sidebar because I don't want to say to run this domain, go buy this other book, <laughs> which you know is not unprecedented in our no, podcast. But no. if they do all the work of making an, a frozen ice domain, we're not going to yeah. re- we're not going to reinvent the icy wheel, the frozen chandelier. <laughs> so while beyond the witchlight, specifically, there's the general Feywild rules. When the PCs first go into the Feywild, the titular wild beyond the witchlight. And even talks about what we're doing, the whole response to positive or negative emotions. And it gives you like a chart of effects. Now, none of these are as dramatic as like the trees attack you, roll initiative. They're more just like flavor things, but that's very useful if you want to do that vibe we're going for mm-hmm. of the most strong emotions of the PCs shaping the world around them, a la Snow White running in terror. And then in uh, the second Feywild, to make a long story short, they basically go to three Feywild domains, and the middle one, the second one they go to, is a forest. So a lot of the, like, big plot encounters are specific to that plot, but then there's a lot of, like, you know, a table of random encounters, and a lot of those do have the flavor we're going for, mm. of this kind of dark fairy tale forest. Now, these are lighter, as this is a much lighter campaign than our, we're going for tonally. These are lighter, but once again, that could be useful if you just wanted some... Uh, fairy tale themed fairy tale vibe encounters to throw at your PCs when they go into the forest. Finally, there is, as we said, this wonderful setting of the forest that is the fairy tale land, that is the dark forest full of all kinds of strange spirits and apparitions. I am going to put a chart of like forest encounters in the write up, and those are based on a book of folklore from the Hearts Mountains. And I didn't read that for nothing, so that's going in the dang right up. <laughs> I didn't read this whole book for nothing. There was not one dwarf in it that was helpful. So it's going in the right up. But yeah, so that you can have this wonderful, just your PCs are traveling through this dark forest and having all these sort of eerie fairy tale encounters. But let's talk about that. That's the forest. That's where she goes to. Let's take a minute and talk about where she comes from. Let's talk about the sort of human kingdom that we are imagining. Yeah, so kind of for our noteworthy features and places, we've got the castle. It's in the capital city. And that's, again, we're kind of doing that idea of there's the beautiful surface, but there's the ugliness underneath, Mm -hmm. just like there is with Narcissa. So, you know, you've got within the palace, you've got that amazing peacock throne. Oh my gosh, it's so pretty. So pretty. But then you've got the dungeons full of skeletons reaching for pitchers of water Mm -hmm. that are placed just out of reach. And, you know, they're assassinating people who are challenging her beauty. So she clearly feels like her claim is tenuous. She clearly feels like she has to be working extremely hard in order to maintain her hold since she wasn't the queen by birth. Mm, yeah. She was the king's wife. So she's she's really having to, to make sure that she's hanging on. We also have for her in the castle, we forgot to mention in her Dark Lord thing for her powers, but she has the magic mirror. Right. And it basically functions like a crystal ball. Mm. Um, she can you know use it to scry and do various other divination-y things. There is specifically in the movie, it's like a spirit that's bound in the mm-hmm. mirror. So you could do something with that if you wanted to. What in Once Upon a Time, it's the genie from Aladdin? Right, yeah. Okay. In the unmade, thankfully unmade, prequel movie they were planning where we got the name Narcissa, it was going to be like her evil wizard father who was like the bad guy of the movie and like she sort of being the the maiden who goes to the dwarves for help, but she's actually like using them to help her overthrow, like oh take her father's gosh. magic. Yeah, so. So if you want to be the genie of Aladdin or her father, then both of those have... <laughs> 
predecessor. And, you know, again, also we have that theme that she is trying to keep the Hearts Mountain at bay. That mm. the capital city, she's really, like, building it up, really trying to make sure that it is. So she's got all these probably amazing, gorgeous architecture, beautiful right. buildings, you know, gilding everywhere. But the Hearts Mountains keep breaking through. Mm-hmm. They are coming to collect their bargain. There are, like, probably all kinds of weird, like, you know, the trees start growing through, and then they animate and become plant creatures. Yeah, and yeah. So just all kinds, all kinds of fun things happen in there. We also, we were thinking about the whole Elizabeth Bathory aspect yeah, of yeah, her. Yeah. We wanted that to be a thing that it's not just that she's pursuing Snow mm-hmm. White. And, like, this is not us original. This is, like, there have been at least one or two other dark horror Snow White themes that have done this mm-hmm. because it's so obvious if yes. they're like I want to do a horror version of Snow White this is like step one mm-hmm. is the evil queen is Elizabeth Bathory yeah so we were you know thinking about how to do that and at first we were thinking well maybe you know she like has the girls kidnapped or whatever but that uh, we wanted to have this kind of this theme of competition the domain reflecting the dark lord that it is everyone just backstabbing for yeah, who's going yeah. to be the most beautiful who's going to be the fairest so instead, we decided to go for this idea that she wants to have these handmaidens. And she always wants to have these just beautiful handmaidens who come to her and wait on her and everything. And there's fierce competition to go and be one of the queens chosen because everyone knows that if that happens to you, you're set for life. And, you know, if you're never seen again, yeah, you know. You know, things, things happen. It's probably because you're off enjoying yourself so mm-hmm. much. And the queen that, has that an important form. mission for yes. you. So these women are competing. Little do they know they're competing for who's going to be the one who gets killed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But since these women are disappearing and everything, some of them, their their parents, their siblings, they're starting to ask questions yeah. about why do they never see their, you know, beautiful handmaidens. This is not a sustainable plan. No, no. The, she is choosing some of the, the best and the brightest luminaries of the city yeah, yeah. to do this with. And it is going to come back and bite her. The ground is crumbling under her feet. Which is a great for a Dark Lord. Mm-hmm. You, 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 hopefully when Rachel said that, you were just perked up a little and you were like, Dark Lord! Yeah! <laughs> ground crumbling, not sustainable. Sustainable ground crumbling under your feet. <laughs> One might almost say she's tormented by her bad yes. decisions. <laughs> and it's that kind of political parallel to what we're doing with the sort of setting nature metaphor of like the wild keeps breaking through. The cracks keep appearing and the roots keep coming and the vines keep coming through the cracks. That like there's this surface of everybody loving the queen, everybody obeying the queen, but there are the cracks in that. There is growing discontent growing resentment, growing suspicion in the populace, and you can't hide it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the steps she's taking to crush that dissent are just going to make it worse. And that's a dark lord. <laughs> so as I mentioned, this is a region in Germany. You can <laughs> Google it and you can, if you love this, if you're like, I want to do just years and years and years of campaigning in this setting, you could. Mm-hmm. You could come up with dozens of like villages, of locations, of political events. I'm going to give you two that I think are just good things to have going into this, things to put in the write-up, ways for your PCs to interact with the setting. That's something a little more than just, there's the castle, there's the Seven Dwarfs Hut. And one is a town called, looking at Rachel Confirmation, (laughs) Quedlinburg. Yes. Yeah. This is, by the way, if you're a board game nerd, which once again, I think statistically that's a decent chance, (laughs) this is the same Quedlinburg of, the Quacks of Quedlinburg board game, which is part of why I chose Quedlinburg, because <laughs> it's fun to say, mm-hmm. like the board game. 
and it is uh, it is in the Hartz Mountains. And so Quedlinburg, we're imagining, is the big trade town. Like, this is at a big crossroads near the river. This is bigger and more cosmopolitan. Like, a lot of the towns in this kingdom are kind of, you know, more small, more provincial. There's a lot of, like, little settlements of, like, farmers. And then in the woods, you've got these little settlements of, like, charcoalers or foresters or miners. Of course, tons of miners. Mm -hmm. But this is, like, a bigger, almost a city. This is very cosmopolitan. And this is a place where you have more interaction with people from other domains. And this, I think, would be a good place for the PCs to enter. This is kind of this is the kind of place PCs come into the setting. <laughs> and also that Narcissa has a little less control here. Like, her rule is a little abs- less absolute because just it's more cosmopolitan. There's a lot more mixing. It's a lot more, like, people moving in and out. So, once again, this could be a good place for PCs to come in. Here there's this evil queen. Hear people whisper rumors about her, like these handmaids who their family never hears from them again. And the, the, a lot of like, oh, but if you go to the castle, if you go to the capital, don't say a word. Mm-hmm. Like that that place is locked up. Like do not even whisper dissent in the capital, then you'll get arrested and tortured. And so the other is to be the big like mining town. Since mining is this kind of big industry. And one of the one things we know about the yeah. setting is there is mining. They dig, dig, they dig, 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 dig. dig, dig, dig. dig. <laughs> And that is, once again, taking from an actual kind of historic mining town, Rommelsburg. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Sehr gut. (laughs) So Rommelsburg is our name. This is the mining town. This place is a little more rough and tumble. But this is kind of, this is kind of right on the border of the forest. So this is sort of, you they would be going, if you imagine them going toward the forest, going toward the mountains, this would kind of be the last big settlement. And then from here, it's just a couple of little clusters of, like, some mining camps, some charcoalers, maybe a couple tiny little villages in the mountains. This is the last, like, real settlement before you get into that deep, wild mountain forest. And this is also the place to get information about the forest and the mine and the spirits and all those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. This is the place where they could get information about the way to the dwarf's cottage. Say what you will about German words. They do not have silent letters. That is very true. (laughs) So you've got our capital, which we've touched on a bit. You've got these towns, which I think are narratively useful, the trade town, the mining town. You've got, of course, the forest, which has any number of creatures and magical fairy tale guys living in it. And so there's a lot for your PCs to do. And as I said, if you really dig into the kind of spooky Black Forest, Brothers Grimm fairy tale vibe, this is a enormously rich mm-hmm. setting for that kind of adventure and that kind of encounter. If you like homework. Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> like, oh boy, research. <laughs> Where can I find the original Brothers Grimm? Then this is the setting for you. But what brings your PC to this place other than the fact that you like research and have read <laughs> one read the original Brothers Grimm and are like, these are horrifying and I want my PCs to fight them. Mm-hmm. Rachel, what do you do with it? Dread Possibilities I could not leave the Queenswood without investigating the rumors surrounding Narcissa. Her handmaidens and ladies-in-waiting were reluctant to share their mistress's secrets, but a few made catty remarks about how her current favorite, Greta, would not be in favor for long. It seemed like this was the way with Narcissa's favorites. I would have wondered why all of her attendants seemed to think that things would end differently for them, but one can never underestimate the power of self-delusion. Given the number of magical and mundane poisons in the castle, it was not difficult to ensure that Greta would be indisposed for a time, and Mask of Many Faces allowed me to assume her appearance. 
After an evening in which the entertainment consisted largely of women praising Narcissa's beauty while casting subtle aspersions on one another, the queen dismissed them and asked Greta, me, to attend her in her personal chambers. As the queen led me to her chamber, which was dominated by an enormous mirror, a strange and subtle transformation gripped her. She seemed to shrink with every step, her back twisting into the slightest suggestion of a hump. Her hands were less slender than bony, with faint traces of liver spots along the knuckles, and her cool green eyes began to bulge from their sockets. When I stepped back, repulsed from the creature that was half a woman and half a hag, she cackled and performed the words and gestures for a spell that should have frozen me helpless to the spot. My patron's ring went cold on my finger as the spell passed harmlessly through me, but I feigned paralysis. The witch approached me, her features twisting and aging further with each passing moment, holding a jeweled dagger. You are fair, Greta, she leered, raising the dagger over my heart, but with your youth and beauty, I'll be fairest in the land. <sighs> I had seen enough. I released my disguise, assuming my form of dread, and unleashed an eldritch blast. The next few moments are somewhat muddled. I was conscious of no thoughts beyond destroying this monster, of causing her as much pain as she had caused the women who died helpless and terrified in this room for no better purpose than to feed the vanity of this loathsome parasite. It was not until I felt the agony of her claws and teeth in my flesh that I realized I was outmatched and used Gash's form to flee. <sighs> I hope I scarred that haughty face. I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. I want it more than I can tell. So, first off, why did you come? And unlike some of these other places, we do have a very strong motivation here. Because mm -hmm. we say it's this very mineral-rich, like, export kingdom. Mm -hmm. But it's also, it's really expanding the court. So there's an enormous import of luxury. So you always have your classic PC go-to trade caravans. Woo! Where would we be without them? Where? <laughs> how would you even begin... Lost Minds of Phandalin, if not for delivering supplies. It's like meeting at a tavern. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's what it's, it's, you're walking. So it could be they are either sent to kind of secure a shipment of gems, a shipment of silver, or they are guarding a kind of import of luxury goods coming into the court, coming into the capital, and that gets them into the domain. Of course, we've talked about this. You know, this is kind of like we've done with some of the others. Now, the plea for help, once again, where would adventures be without the <laughs> your old army buddy NPC ask for your help? So you have the plea for help of someone whose daughter is going to get taken or has been taken. And they say, I know I'm not supposed to. It's very unpatriotic of me to say I'm very suspicious of the queen, but I'm very suspicious of the queen. So let me call my old army buddy who's not <laughs> living in this country who can come in with his or her heavily armed transient friends and plausible deniability and plausible deniability and maybe figure out what's going on here and you also we do have this sense of the Feywild and this would kind of be well known that this kingdom this forest these mountains were connected to the Feywild so this would be a great place for magical resources mm -hmm. maybe it's looking for a specific magical creature maybe it's looking for a specific magical like thing in the forest a really rare plant something like that maybe even just you want to make contact with spirits. You want to sort of get access to the Feywild, and everyone could tell you this is a place where the Feywild and the Material mm -hmm. Plane are intersect. So once you get them into this kingdom, this dark Brothers Grimm fairy tale kingdom, 
what stories would they do there? They, they you get them in with the trade caravan, and then what has to happen that stops them just leaving with the next trade caravan? <laughs> well, it's Snow White. So, right, yeah. obviously, one obvious plot hook is to do Snow White. In the movie, we just have, she goes to the dwarf cottage, mm-hmm. she's there for like a day, uh-huh. and then the 24 queen, hours. Yeah, the queen comes with the apple, and etc., in the story, she's there a lot longer. The queen is, she tries a lot of other things. She, like, comes with, like, a comb that has poison in uh-huh. it or, like, a, a girdle that, like, she tightens really tightly on her mm-hmm. and she passes out. And Snow White keeps letting these peddler women Yeah, right? It's like, really, it's really something. One of, the, one of those ones, guys. <laughs> so you could do something with that, that you're trying to stop the queen from finding Snow White. You hear that the little mm-hmm. princess is, you know, going to live in the woods, you're trying to protect her. Or maybe the queen hires you yeah. and says, you know, hey, I'm trying to send something out to my stepdaughter who's in the forest. Can you, you know, please deliver this thing to her? Don't tell her for me. It'd be a bit more yeah. surprised that way. <laughs> it's for her birthday. It's a surprise. If you didn't want to engage in the Snow White story, then you could also do something with the Elizabeth Bathory aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is, you know, she's kidnapping these young women. She's grooming them in order to get them to be her victim pool. So you could do something there with, you know, one of these parents is getting suspicious. Maybe one of the women herself is getting suspicious. If she started getting close to Narcissa, and then she saw something she didn't like, but her friends are still pretty deep in mm-hmm. it, and she wants you to go and help them out. So you could do something with that. The nice thing is the political, like, story in the castle gives us a way to, to bring in the evil queen and do a story with the evil queen and even, like, make a meaningful change, like, rescue mm-hmm. people. You can't overthrow her because of that Dark War plot armor, but you could, like, rescue people or, like, really spread the word and get people a lot more suspicious about her without actually having to deal with Snow White. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do a Snow White story where your players have a lot more agency to kind of be the main heroes and the main characters of the setting mm-hmm. because you're not actually Snow White just hanging out with the dwarves yeah. the whole time off camera. And this is really just your characters, your PCs, in conflict with Queen Narcissa. And everyone will be able to see, oh, this is clearly a Snow White-inspired story, mm. but Snow White's not in it, being the heroine. Mm. If you do want to have Snow White be in it and you want it to be rescuing people, then another option is that you could have had the movie happen, uh-huh. except that Narcissa didn't die at the end. So she is in her coffin, she's uh-huh. asleep, you have to find the prince or, you know, kiss right. her yourself or figure out some way to wake her, kind of do the whole Sleeping Beauty thing. There was a deleted scene that they were planning to have the prince have a much bigger role in the story. And there was a whole storyboarded sequence where the idea is the queen actually put him in the dungeon because he turned her down because he was in love with Snow White. And she actually was going to give him the expedition about the poison to be all like, ha 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 ha, look what I'm going to do to that girl you chose over me. And not, that's why I had to put in the crow to, like, give her someone <laughs> to exposit to. And then she was going to, like, pull a lever that was going to make the water rise to drown him. And there was going to be a whole sequence where the animals came and rescued him. And, like, it, it was, a, the prince was originally a much bigger part of the climax of the story. And you can see how they took the bones of that and turned it into Sleeping Beauty and made it much better. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so that could even be a thing, that you take that mm-hmm. and have it be that Snow White's eating the apple... You were able to find out the old true love's kiss loophole. And, like, oh, we need to go rescue him from the dungeon. And you could even do a really fun, like, a dungeon dive. Like, mm-hmm. go through the magic dungeon, avoid the traps, fight some skeletons, douche the ending of Sleeping Beauty, be Flora Fawn on Merryweather, <laughs> as indeed we all desire to be. <laughs> Especially Merryweather. <laughs> rescue the prince, get into the princess, kiss the princess, wakes up. 
Everybody's happy. And that's even how you get an adventure item fix. Like, hmm, how do we wake Snow White? Yeah. Hmm. It's a mystery. Have to do all our arcane research into this. Yes, yes, yes. And then one last thing to do here with any one of these plot hooks is you could have it be that the masterminds behind whatever the PCs are doing are actually the other hags out in the Hearts Mountains. That they're kind of deliberately bringing the PCs into conflict with Narcissa Mm -hmm. because they want her to be burning through magic because the more magic she uses, the more she turns into a hag and the sooner they're able to drag her into their coven. That's the nice thing with this kind of unfired Chekhov's gun of the hags, that that gives you a kind of powerful behind-the-scenes patron that can be helping the PCs, that can be giving them information, manipulating things so they get what they want, because what the PCs want to be, like, heroic, presumably, and, like, fight Narcissa and maybe wake Snow White, maybe just rescue these maidens pushes Narcissa toward the hags. Mm-hmm. So the nice thing is that gives you a sort of not quite good guy parallel to Narcissa, <laughs> but your classic, like, other bad guy who wants to help the hero because they have a mutual enemy. And then, you know, the great thing is if the hags are successful, you know, you, you could have this whole story happen where the hags are successful. Narcissa becomes a hag, gets pulled into their coven. She's a smart woman. She's going to figure out how to get out of it again. But her torment is still going to be ongoing. So you're able to kind of get that victory over her temporarily Mm -hmm. that she's plunged into this life that she does not want to have. And you're responsible for it. And she's eventually going to be able to get herself out of it enough that the dark powers can dangle a carrot in front of her. Because, again, Mm -hmm. she's very resourceful. But you get that victory. So then we always like to talk about different versions of this because we've given you a bunch of different potential versions, different potential stories you could be running, but even tonally. So first is our aging down, which is how you would run this with younger kids. I could see that. Like it's mm-hmm. your, oh, kids, no your kids who adore Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like it's not that. <laughs> this is, she's one of the Disney princesses. Mm-hmm. She is one of the marquee Disney princesses. So every time we go to Hershey Halloween, there's always at least one little girl with Snow White. It's a, it's a great dress. Mm-hmm. And so I could see there being the kids that you're like, these kids love Snow White, my daughter, my son, whatever. It's their favorite Disney movie. I want to run this for them. And it's pretty easy. Yeah. Especially like a lot of the horror is just stuff in the movie. So if mm-hmm. they're okay with the movie, you yeah. can just do that. And that's a pretty big horror right there. Mm-hmm. In that cut the Elizabeth Bathory yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like she's just looking for Snow White. Yeah. Like you could... Keep in if it were older. The great thing is we're saying Elizabeth Bathory, but we can be vague about like what exactly that entails. Mm-hmm. So you know you've got plenty of it can be more abstract of just draining their youth away and this kind of abstract magical ritual. I mean, isn't that basically what happens in Mickey's House of Illusion? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> that she she kidnaps Minnie Mouse to try and drain her youth and beauty. It's as silly as it there, sounds. Yes, it but... is. And it's like as long as you could even have that as oh, she has done this, and then we rescue the one she's going to do it to, and as long as you don't, like, have it happen while the PCs are there, Mm -hmm. that takes a lot of sense. Or you could have it be that now these women are older. You could have it be, you know, Mm -hmm. she takes the youth and beauty, and now they're old. Mm -hmm. And then you figure out some way to, like, break the mirror or whatever. Right. And then, yeah! I like that. all All the, you know, misty light goes pouring out of her, and all of the women are rejuvenated. And... Other than that, as I say, you could do that, but I think the best case, especially if you have a kid that loves Snow White, they want Snow White. They don't want, like, what's this political Elizabeth Bathory, like, this, whatever. Mm -hmm. They want Snow White. 
And the great thing is, it's another one of those, like Sleeping Beauty, where the torment is not locked in on the specifics of Snow White being asleep, dead, buried, whatever, mm -hmm. that you can do the whole story. Mm -hmm. It's just your kind of taking the role of the dwarves slash Florifauna and Meriwether from Sleeping Beauty. You are <laughs> getting the prince to the princess and like they're not going to be bummed she's she's in the coffin they know the score mm -hmm. and you get the prince there kisses happy right off into the sunset whatever <laughs> and, and then your pc's right off into the sunset for the next disney inspired adventure but aging up is a much more interesting field with mm -hmm. a lot more possibilities yes there is so much horror snow white that is yeah there is so we're going to be talking about some of the more grisly yes. possibilities for what this Elizabeth Bathory thing might entail. There there are episodes where we're like, you know, it's probably okay to listen to this part with your kids. And this, this is, this is, not, is not, one not one of them. them. No. Also, touching on some um, boredom, dullness, and stultifying malaise mm. that your kids are just going to find just very, very uninteresting. Just so not, not. Don't, don't, them. yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, do skip ahead. Yeah, seriously. Like, no, it's probably, <laughs> probably fine. So Future Angel's going to come in and give a more detailed content about that boredom, dullness, and stultifying malaise now. This is Future Rachel. We are going to be getting into a lot more detail with the kinds of things you can do Elizabeth Bathory-wise. It gets a little bit gory. Also, we are going to be talking about some of the potential for the decadent court for Narcissa, and this is easily the raciest our podcast has ever gotten, which, you know, granted for us isn't saying much. I know that we have some hard choices and mega dumb cast listeners among you who are going to listen to the upcoming bit and be like, really? That That's it? Really? But, you know, it's solidly PG-13, which for us is downright blue. So you don't want to listen to this with big eared little pictures in the room. If you do have big eared little pictures in the room, you are going to want to skip ahead about six minutes to about the one hour, 31 minute mark or so. If you listen to this with your kids in the room, you are a bad, bad parent, and you need to be punished. So, so many options for Elizabeth Bathory stuff. Yes, my there is, you know, you can do the she bathed in their blood. Uh -huh. I think the best option to be in line with the fairy tale is that originally, you know, it wasn't just that he brought her the heart of the pig and who she kept it in her little boxes, that she then ate the heart of the yeah. pig. So I think probably the best option for yeah, yeah. the fairy tale evoking is eating the hearts. And that's not even just us. Like I said, no. there's, I can think of one and I think I ran into two sort of dark, spooky versions of Snow White that had that. That's I mean, Roald Dahl did it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was in Roald Dahl's Revolting Rhymes. There you yeah. go. Yeah. I believe it was because it was taken from the original mm. Grimm's Fairy Tales. So eating the hearts is probably your best way to go there. You never go wrong with the bathing in blood. It's a mm -hmm. classic for a reason. If you wanted to kind of do more kind of vampiric imagery, mm -hmm. you could have it be, you know, that she's right. kind of doing vampire stuff, like drinking their blood. But I think you're, as with Frozen, your best option here is cannibalism. Uh-huh, yeah. And then the other thing, you were talking about her kind of bringing these beautiful women close yeah, to her yeah. and everything. And by the way, if you're wondering, you know, are they going to be explicitly tying this into Ivana Barici later? I'm Rachel. Have you yeah. met me? Ah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Get ready to hear a whole all, lot about Ivana Barici and parting thoughts. All dozen of you out there. <laughs> and we're like, why, I say, this sounds like Ivana Barici. We know. Yes. But so you could do something with maybe they have their girl crushes on her. Yeah. They want to be close to her because they have their girl crushes on her. Maybe they have actual crushes on her. Yeah. Maybe she is kind of like seducing these young women. Uh -huh. She has a really strong dominatrix energy yeah, to yeah, her. Yeah. Like, like 
Yeah. And if you wanted to kind of do stuff, especially if you're kind of playing it close to the vest, that she is the evil queen mm-hmm. from Snow White, especially if you give her a different name other than Narcissa yeah, and make right. her seem less evil, she's going to really appeal to some of your players. Yeah, you you yeah. could probably think of a player right now who is going to be, gonna be like, in, like, I am in this. Like, <laughs> like we, we talked in Hunchback about having one of the PCs be the Esmeralda role. And how that kind of like makes it much more about them, much less about what are the NPCs doing and being drawn into the NPC story. If you've got, you know, your your beautiful elf wizard in the party or whatever, mm-hmm. who, you know, suddenly now Narcissus is extremely jealous of her because she's the more beautiful one. Yeah, yeah. Then, you know, if that beautiful elf wizard is, you know, attracted to Narcissus type, that could get real interesting. And even if she's not, even if you're not going to kind of go with that angle of it then you can have this really interesting, much scarier and more personal story where Narcissus is actually coming after some of your PCs. Yeah. We've talked about the idea of the sort of decadence, this kind of a decadent court, and we mainly in the movie see that in the kind of the luscious of all the physical setting. The throne, like the velvet she's wearing, the just the, like the tapestry seem very lush, gorgeously animated intricately carved, jeweled. But this is another way to bring in that sort of idea of this very, mm-hmm. like, wealthy, very glittering, very decadent court in an adult setting. Mm-hmm. And there, once again, are certain PCs, certain PC groups where very dominatrixy queen mm-hmm. with her, like, harem of beautiful maidens is going to, like, that's going to be great for a surprise reveal. Like, they're mm-hmm. going to be, like, into it, and you actually can then spring the surprise, have her make some comment about being the fairest of them all, and be like, "Whoa! <laughs> it's oh no, oh no, this oh, isn't no. this isn't hot at all. <laughs> this is horrible." Like that—that oh, that would be the sort of fake out. This is what we're doing in this setting, and then the twist reveal of no, it's actually Snow White. We're mm-hmm. doing Snow White. Yeah. That, that especially if you play it, you don't really bring up Snow White very much. Don't mention a stepdaughter right away that ran away. It's a princess, blah, blah. Very, like, very pale skin. Mm-hmm. If you kind of just are focusing on the narcissist stuff and the kind mm-hmm. of court and the political setting, you actually could do a pretty cool plot twist reveal. And yeah, you've got the dungeons. You've got that's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. So once again, you could get into more explicit with the torture. So it's already pretty grisly in the movie. Yeah, pretty yeah, grisly, yeah. <laughs> It's like, man, you thought Frollo whipping the guy off screen was bad. That skeleton's worse. <laughs> and you could you could bring in. I would really love to do this, especially if you had someone that was, you know, like, yeah, I'm I'm on, totally on board with this. This is we're, hmm. we're having a party in this town. Um, <laughs> like, have Narcissa be kind of getting into them, getting intimate with them, hitting on them, whatever. And then maybe play up the sort of jealousy. Like, if they admit someone else is attractive, if Narcissus is saying which of the handmaids you think is most attractive. Because that's the other great thing, is you can get that sort of desperate need to be the fairest of them all. And that could have some really interesting things for bringing some of some acting that out sexually. Oh, that's cool. That, yeah, that like the sort of desperate need to be, and then you can be part of the torment, even the whole surrounding yourself with the most beautiful mm-hmm. maidens in the kingdom, <laughs> and then sort of poking that toothache of seeing if people are more attracted to them than to you. Oh, man. That's delicious. Yeah, and once again, <laughs> they, 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 they think they're having a party. They're not having they're a not party. They're not having a party. It's just going to be awful. <laughs> Your horny parts in trouble. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's going to offend the queen. Mm-hmm. 
Get chained up in the dungeon, not in the way he's thinking. And... <laughs> we told you not to listen to this part. Yeah, right. This is guys. on you if, if your kids are like looking at you with confused eyes right now. <laughs> okay, so we don't have to skip too much of this. So yeah. <laughs> one. So one final note: this is not necessarily like an AU for running this in Ravenloft. But it's something we have to talk about in terms of doing a heroic mm-hmm. adventure story based on Snow White. Yes. Over to Rachel. So there is a young adult series called The Lunar Chronicles. I, I adore these books. They're real fun. Um, they're sci-fi retellings of fairy tales. They're set in the far future. The first one is called Cinder. And she's cyborg Cinderella. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know she goes to the ball and her cybernetic foot falls off. It's so and goes stairs. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's, it's fantastic. But the main villain of the entire series is the Wicked Queen from Snow White. Mm -hmm. And she is like the people who live on the moon have psychic powers. So she's able to be an evil witch because she's psychic. And her name is Lavana, And Lavana is an amazing character. Mm -hmm. I don't want to spoil a whole lot, but you get a whole lot with the deep, deep, deep insecurity. Uh The like wanting people to worship her beauty and like, constantly presenting herself as being the fairest one of all and she's so hateful Mm -hmm. but you see how she thinks she's a hero of her own story right and then there even is a novella that's from her point of view called fairest and you read fairest and you actually feel sorry for her which Uh i did not know was possible (laughs) reading the the lunar chronicles lavana is an amazing dark lord Yeah, yeah and you can get a lot from her and just crib it lock stock and barrel for narcissa we're doing this in AU, but there's not really any other logical place to put it. Mm. You know, we wouldn't say, like, your AU should be that she's from the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could. Yeah. It's your game. But you know, that th- this is kind of like an AU version of Snow White. And four stars, I highly recommend. Also, their version of Snow White might be be my favorite depiction of mental illness in all of fiction. Not in terms of like being a realistic depiction of mental illness, but in terms of she is this incredibly strong, noble, heroic, kind, and virtuous character. And those are the traits that are linked to her mental illness mm-hmm. rather than villainy. Mm-hmm. And just I've never seen a character where their mental illness is actually a reflection of their goodness mm-hmm. rather than being, you know, a reflection of how evil they are. Just, Winter is the best. I adore her so much. We can't, we can't say too much because <laughs> it's getting into spoiler territory. Yes, but, but I love Winter take, take so much. <laughs> and so it's weird. So once again, we don't want to give you homework. Don't re- go read these four books for your homework. But <laughs> they, don't, they won't feel like homework, no, though. They're so good. But, like, I haven't read the, the Levana backstory one, and I can tell you... If I were going to run this game and I wanted the evil queen to be an actual capital C character mm-hmm. and not just sort of eyebrows and sneering and, and commanding and pointing <laughs> and not like a fairy tale bad guy. Like if you want the fairy tale bad guy, you got the fairy tale bad guy perfectly executed in this movie. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, no, I want to be here for a while. I want to have this as like a major NPC. And I want there to actually be a sense of this person as a character. And not even just like, oh, a sympathetic backstory. But cause like I, said, I don't even know the sympathetic backstory yet. <laughs> I haven't read that one. But just this is a character. They have layers. They have complexity. You get some, some there's some sympathy there in, in the main books before you get to the novella. 
and even just the you get why they do the things they do. You get why they make the decisions they make. And it's not just for evil to be the famous. With Narcissa, when we were trying to find quotes for her, it was so hard yeah. because they're all just kind of about poison. They're being so the fairest of them all. Lavana, it would be like a Jack Skellington problem. Mm. We would just be chock-a-block with quotes for her mm. because she is such a complex character. So if I were going to run this, especially like a longer, like, you know, couple of uh, adventures, kind of almost mini-campaign, I wanted the Evil Queen to be a character... I would reread those books and run her mm-hmm. as Lavana and oh, take a lot from that. Also, going back to Beauty and the Beast, everybody else who had a crush on the Beast, read Scarlet, this little Red yeah. Riding Hood one. You're going to love Wolf. You're yeah. going to love him so much. So that is uh, with the final homework, but we promised it's fun homework. <laughs> I love these books, guys. <laughs> then we then transition into kind of the last couple of things that we have to say about different kind of things you could do with Snow White, different things you do with the setting we've given you, and give you our parting thoughts in the section you like to call Parting Thoughts. So, the first thing we always do with Parting Thoughts is the genres of horror. These are in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. We both agree, as we say again and again mm-hmm. and again, it's the, probably the best part of the whole book. It's an amazing taxonomy of horror in a very GM user-friendly way. It's not just academic. It's very useful if you're running horror. So there's one I think is particularly obvious. Uh, yeah. And then another that is less obvious, if indeed existing at all. Yeah, so, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. drawing a blank, I gotta admit. So, okay. We're gonna we're gonna count a three. Mm-hmm. You've done this before. I hope this is I hope this is cute and not sacrally annoying. <laughs> so, all right, ready? One, two, three. Dark, dark fantasy. fantasy. So, yes. <laughs> We keep talking about it. it's dark, dark fairy, fairy tale. tale. It's Brothers Grimm. It's yeah, Gingerbread it's, House in the yeah. Woods. <laughs> it's it's everything. It's go read old Brothers Grimm books for your encounters. Like this, the whole thing we are going for with this forest is this is the realm of dark fantasy. Mm-hmm. This is the dark Feywild. This is the gingerbread house with the lady that eats the children that wander by. Mm-hmm. This is that world. <laughs> that your PCs are going into when they go into this forest. Mm -hmm. So do you have a second one? Uh, No. (laughs) Like, yeah, no. Um, Maybe you could do body horror, but that's really just kind of me thinking about the creepiness of the transformation scene Uh in the movie, and we don't really have that, and no, no, no. There, there, um, there are some of the settings in Earth and that only have one. Yes, so yes. No, can, this is, yeah. this is, it's so much like dark fantasy. And then, you know, <laughs> you can come up with something. Like, if you want to play more into this political kind of court-based intrigue, you could get an element of psychological horror, especially if you're playing up the idea of sort of the facade versus the reality. But like that's a stretch. Like yeah. that's that's you have to kind of it's design the least interesting yeah. part of this setting. You have to design your campaign around it, and you miss a lot of the best stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the court stuff's interesting, but I really think the the heart of the horror setting mm-hmm. of this domain is the deep dark fairy tale forest, where you know if you find a talking wolf that encourages you to go off the path, <laughs> and knows a shortcut to your grandma's house. So yeah, this is this is absolutely in the write up. Just gonna be dark fantasy. Yeah. yeah. And then what kind of game is suitable for the setting? And we've kind of segged into this mm-hmm. organically. Uh, Rachel, what do you think? We've got some domains where you could do a whole huge range of different adventures. 
You've got one domain that really tells one story. What are we looking at here? Yeah. You could play this all dingle dangle. Yeah, you really like, Oh my gosh, this is just any kind of dark fairy tale thing you want to do, you mm-hmm. could do it here. Like if you wanted to do, you know, spooky Hansel and Gretel, spooky Little Red Riding Hood, spooky what, whatever you want to do, this is domain for it. There's mm-hmm. so much like. There's an entire happily humming subgenre of dark retellings of fairy tales, and you can do yep. them all here. You can do them all here. This is the place for those stories. And again, it's another one where you could do this and not engage with yeah, the yeah. Dark Lord at all. Yeah. Like, you could just be messing around with the creatures that live in the Hearts Mountains mm-hmm. and doing your spooky retelling of. Snow White and Rose Red rather than actual yeah, Snow yeah. White and just have a wee of a time. You could just, like, be hanging out with the dwarfs. You could be just hanging out with Grumpy and Doc and all them and, like, the little cottages, your home base, and you just need to go into the forest to do stuff and you occasionally go with Snow White to protect her. You want to, like, fetch things for her. Or you have a whole thing where there's some, like, crazy fairy tale stuff happening to messing with the dwarves' mind. Like, that can be the whole game. Mm-hmm. That can be months of play is just home base it with the seven dwarves and then have encounters in the forest. Like, if you want to play into the whole, like, based on Bald Mountain thing and mm-hmm. have a thing with the hags yeah. or, like, trying to awaken Sharon a bond. Yeah, you can yeah, do yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you can do more with the court. Like, I like to think it's at least a little interesting, mm-hmm. the political situation we've come up with. That is if you, once again, don't want to engage as much. I guess there's kind of two, appropriately enough, there's kind of two <laughs> faces here. And one is the deep, dark forest. That's all the fairy tale stuff. And then you have the more Elizabeth Bathory political thriller part in the castle, in the cities. Mm-hmm. And that is a whole, you can go in, you can rescue people from Narcissa. You can kind of get people to turn against her. You could do a, like, Snow White in the near the opening where you get one of the, some of the huntsmen to flip. You can do, like, the deleted scene from the movie we talked about where you rescue a prince from the dungeon, and that's going to have consequences for Narcissa. There's a lot of ways you can undermine her, and a lot of like very achievable rescues. You can't overthrow her, because of that dang Dark Lord thing, <laughs> but you can hurt her, you can diminish her power, you can frustrate her plans, you can make a legitimate, concrete impact yeah. on the setting. And you can save Snow White, and just mm, all kinds yeah. of... And that save Snow White is where the two come together. Like, mm-hmm. that is, if you want the adventure that does combine both of these... That is sort of the core adventure of this, the kind of equivalent of the Barovia set, you know, protecting a Tatiana reincarnation from Strahd. Like, that's the core adventure. And I would say you kind of get in the middle. Narcissus trying to have some plan to kill Snow White. You get in the middle. Maybe you're a stoop delivery person of the poison combs. Mm-hmm. Maybe you hear about the poison combs and race to stop the messenger from delivering them and fight some huntsmen and then mm-hmm. meet Snow White and the dwarves. But, like, that kind of Narcissa to Snow White, that is the castle to forest pathway. If you want to, like, no, I want to do all of this. <laughs> and you can go back and free the prince or go back and free the handmaids or whatever. So, this is not the first time Ravenloft has touched on the idea of a dark fantasy, dark mm. fairy tale. So, obviously, a kind of genre of horror you would want to do in the context of Dungeons & Dragons and so there is a bunch of older stuff we could connect to this if you want to do, be running your just regular 2E3 game, but also decide to have Snow White in it. Mm-hmm. So, Rachel, tell us about some of the previous iterations of this kind of vibe of horror. Yeah, 
a lot of the ecological niche that this is filling with the dark fairy tale stuff was previously filled by Tempest. And there is still some of that in New mm-hmm. Tempest. It still does have the dark fairy tale thing going on, but it's leaning much more into the folk horror now, yeah, which yeah. is fine, is mm-hmm. great. I love folk I love horror. horror. But Tempest used to be much more like it's the deep dark woods full of fae and, you know, the, the, the frightened peasants are hiding in their villages and everything. And this is almost kind of doing a cross between that and Borka, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we're going to get into that in a minute. Put a pin in that because I have not gotten to gush about Borka recently. If I recall correctly, with older Tempest, it was more your sandbox kind of Dark Ages Ireland-like yes. fairies in the forest and mm-hmm. waddle and daub huts yes. and tiny villages. There was no, like, cash economy. It was barter. Mm, yeah. Like, it was just, it was very, yeah, Irish peasants. And, like, you get the kind of idea of this sort of Irish peasants vibe in 5e Tempest, but it's much more like, no, this is the story. Mm-hmm. Is taking that kind of character, Mother Lorenda, I mean, no, this is our folk horror domain, this is our wicker man domain. You might literally fight a wicker man at the mm-hmm. end. It, it's kind of taking a particular horror story and kind of building the entire domain centering around that. Yeah. So one of the things actually I really love about having this domain around is, you know, as mentioned, I love New Tapest, I love folk horror, but I also love the stark fairy tale mm-hmm. stuff. And this way you can have both. Yes, you can. You can have New Tapest and be doing your folk horror stuff with Mother Lorinda and New Tapest. And then if you want to go over and like do all of the, the old Tapest, like deep dark woods full of face stuff, you can come and do that in the Queenswood. And woohoo, everybody wins, especially me, because I'm two of my favorite horror (laughs) subgenres. Yay! And there's, even with Old Tapest, there was this whole thing with the Dark Lords were this coven of hags. There Mm -hmm. were the three co-Dark Lords. And it was this, like, because, of course, it was old Ravenloft, so (laughs) they were women. So their curse had to be based on not being able to find love or not being able to have children or their physical appearance. Um, So it was that they always saw themselves as hideous no matter what form they took. They, like, would take these beautiful forms and always see themselves as hideous underneath. So you even had that vibe going on Ooh. with Old Like, it fits, it fits perfectly. And if you wanted to steal that for Narcissa, that, like, every uh-huh. time she looks in the mirror, she sees the hag, that might actually be a fun... Ah, that's cool, yeah. Letter, yeah. This... Ooh, I got, I got a, like, spicy, ooh. like, drop-in right uh-huh. here, not on the script. If I recall correctly... Mm-hmm. Then they, so there was the three co- Covenant Hacks through Co-Dark Lord, because, you know, classic fur reason. Mm-hmm. And then in 5e, there's something about how, like, Lorinda took over and banished the other two or trapped them in prison or something. I think and, she, like, trapped them in a cauldron. Yeah, and sure. And she's like, oh, you know, you can't, I see Yeah, you see what I'm going uh-huh. here. Ooh. Which, like, yeah, you just want Lorinda because you can't have, you know, three Lord Summer Isles. You just mm-hmm. need, you need the one. But yeah, what if it was like instead this sort of domain split off and it's those two are now looking for that third. So those are the two hags, those two that are kind of a footnote now in Tepest are sort of made it to this domain and (laughs) are looking for a third to complete their trio and Narcissa's that. And Narcissa's like, no, I'm going to be the junior hag forever here. My name doesn't begin with L. Larcissa sounds terrible. (laughs) Clark Kent would never date me. (laughs) So that's one of the ecological niches it can fill, letting you do that old Tempest stuff while still letting you play around in new Tempest. You know I love talking about where on the geography of the core to put it. <laughs> yes, we do. I have mentioned before, I know nothing about real geography. <laughs> but I know my Ravenloft geography. <laughs> So there are kind of two options if you want to plunk this in the core. If you want to emphasize kind of like the German culture stuff, the Hearts Mountains stuff, really kind of playing up the Brothers Grimm vibe. Having names like Rummelsburg for the mm-hmm. cities. Yeah, and, and uh, Quindlinburg. Then 
what I would probably do is put it between Falcovnia and the Shadow Rift because <laughs> what's Falcovnia doing bordering the Shadow Rift anyway? That never made any sense. <laughs> um, so here you could have it be like, you know, it's Falcovnia. There's the German thing, but there's the Shadow Rift where all the Fey live. So they're like coming out. It really is like perfect. It's, it, the, it's yeah. This is kind of the Venn diagram overlap between those two. So mm-hmm. that's where I would put it if it were me. If you want to kind of keep Tempest around and kind of have you know, I, I want to kind of just this Fey zone in mm-hmm. the core. Then you could have it be around Tepest and Keening, and the Harsh Mountains are a stretch of the Mountains of Misery, because Tepest and Keening are uh, right by the Mountains of Misery in Southern Darkon. Either way, wherever you put it, you definitely want this sucker bordering the Shadow Rift. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. that's where the Fae live. They're coming out all the time, just mm-hmm. messing with Narcissa. It absolutely fits my understanding of older Ravenloft geography if it was like yeah there's this mountain you know bald mountain that borders the shadow mm-hmm. rift and on certain propitious days of the year all sorts of creatures of like shadow fey come out and have a oh. a bacchanalio on bald mountain oh yeah oh along with other creatures of darkness yes creatures of night brought to light <laughs> no no that was last month the other reason i am listener i am taking a drink the other reason why I would put it by Falcovnia rather than by Tepest and Keening is because if it's by Falcovnia, if it's bordering kind of Falcovnia the Shadow Rift, you know what else it would be bordering? Borka. Doo-doo. Because we've been, you know, kind of going at for a little while. There's a lot of stuff that you could do paralleling either Narcissa or Snow White of all people with uh-huh, Ivana Barizzi. Uh-huh. Because you've got Narcissa, she's this perpetually young and beautiful alchemist queen. Yeah, right? She's, like, doing all this stuff to make herself look young and beautiful all the time. And she's, you know, in her basement, like, brewing her potions all the time. She's going to hate Ivana with the fiery passion of a thousand burning (laughs) stars. They hate each other in a way that only people that are almost the same person can hate each other. <laughs> so there are a few options that you can have here if you want to kind of bring in some Ivana Narcissa parallelism, which, again, going back to that whole thing we're talking about with the decadent court. Uh-huh. That's how I run Ivana. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, it's not as much an if, you know, in 5e, she's kind of got the more the poison ivy thing going. Mm-hmm. But in the older stuff, it was very much she had these decadent parties. She had, you know, the poison kiss and everything. So she kind of had the rogue thing going on where like she couldn't be close to anyone so she would throw these like real like crazy deboshes where she would be live either living vicariously through other people as you know they go and do their thing or gives him her poison kiss at the end of it or whatever mm-hmm. and she loves keeping like beautiful people near her the phrasing that it used was that ivana loves having pretty playthings mm-hmm. so there was a whole thing where you know the nobles would want to kind of hide away their daughters and their pretty sons because Ivana would want to have them near her so that she could be surrounded by beautiful things Mm -hmm. and beautiful people that she would treat like things and then eventually she'd get tired of them and throw them away. So you could do something with making Ivana herself more Wicked Queen inspired. If you really like these kind of parallels between Ivana and the Wicked Queen, you could just kind of fold the two into one and say, you know what? I'm doing dark fairy tale Borka. Right, yeah. I'm going to have it be that Borka is surrounded by all these creepy woods that are full of fae. It has mountains, right? It has mountains, yeah. It has mountains. It has woods. It has all kinds of stuff. So you can basically do Snow White and Borka if you wanted to. Which would be awesome. Because, yeah, Ivana, you know, she says she hates being young and beautiful because people don't take her seriously. But come on. Like, maybe I've just been playing Ivan on 
on Twitter and talk about <laughs> too long. But really, Ivana Dia, really, really. It's been her whole identity for like how long now? And then someone else comes along who's younger and more beautiful and not buying into her whole shtick. Mm-hmm. It's going to make her so mad. It was like, I, I hate that I'm all young and beautiful forever. People don't take me seriously. Oh, do you ever have your hair like not done? Do you ever go out in a, in a casual wear? In, like, sweats and yoga pants. <laughs> oh, huh, you didn't, huh? How about yeah, that? Mm. That's crazy. So, yeah, if, if you want to kind of just fold them together, give Borka more of a fairy tale vibe, that sounds awesome. Mm. Do that. All of the raw material to make this setting is in Borka. Mm-hmm. It's like they're especially bringing in a lot of the older, like, the 3E stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, you can take all these pieces, have parallels there. It's just changing a lot of proper nouns. If you want to have Borka and the Queenswood as separate domains... And you want to do up this whole thing with Narcissa and Ivana hating each other, <laughs> then maybe Snow White has fled into Borka. Instead of being with the seven dwarves, oh. she's fled into Borka. Ivana's sheltering her, or maybe she's going to trade her if Narcissa gives her something that she wants. You get these dueling wicked queen figures because maybe it's just my deep and abiding love of Borka, but I, I want to do stuff with Borka more than I want to do stuff with the Queenswood. <laughs> Especially if I bring all this fairy tale stuff in. Like, that's the main thing the Queenswood has to offer, so I can I can have the fairy tale stuff of the Queenswood <laughs> and, and Ivana, and I'm good to go. Another thing, if you really want to get weird, you know, like I said, you could... <laughs> Think we've established we do. Mm-hmm. Let's get crazy. I love crazy. You know, Narcissa wants to kill a beautiful young woman with snow white skin and ebony hair. Mm. So you could have this well, weird thing where instead <laughs> of having Snow White be this innocent, Narcissa is actually like Ivana's aunt mm-hmm. or something. And Ivana is Snow White. And again, just Narcissa, she's not after Snow White. She's trying to assassinate Ivana. Ivan is eating this up with a spoon. Uh-huh. He, he and Narcissa are kind of like working together. But of course he's going to stab her in the back because Ivan's the one who gets to kill Ivana. And I, I want to run this so there... bad. <laughs> Wasn't there a whole thing with Ivana's origin in the older material, especially where, like, her mother was the original Dark Lord? Yes. So what if you had, instead of, like, Narcissa was, like, her her stepmother mm-hmm. and is the original mm-hmm. Dark Lord, you kind of play out that killing her in your game mm-hmm. and then have Ivana white take over her <laughs> yeah take over as the kind of kind of oh, combine yeah, those that... two events and your players sort of get to be oh, grumpy and doc and that would be awesome yeah that narcissa is camille delisnia yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> i want to run this i yeah. want to run this now <laughs> i love Borka so much y'all you don't even know <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, lots of options for, like, more than usual for <laughs> incorporating this into if you are running a game in the, in the, like, older, unified core 2E, 3E version of the setting. I realized we had that space on our outline blank, like, right before we started recording. And I said to Tom, gosh, I, I actually don't, I, I'm having trouble thinking of how to incorporate it. Five minutes later, there was a full page, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know. <laughs> it helps that I feel like a lot of the domains we're talking about, you could work it in are drawing from those same sources. So the whole, well, yeah, Tepes is the fairy, the dark fairy tale forest. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're drawing from for the Brothers Grimm. We're taking from those kind of same things they were taking from mm-hmm. to create the setting. Or even the kind of archetype of the, like, beautiful Black Widow, Elizabeth Bathory-esque. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, a lot of that debt archetype DNA is already in Ivana, yeah. so it's not that hard to sort of follow that line and just find the convergence points 
via the sources. There was, Cardicus used to be much more of like kind of a fairy tale, big bad wolf. There are the woodcutters and then the werewolves or they were wolf wares. It was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But the, the, the wolf wears being kind of the big bad wolf that act like they're your friend and then tell you that there's a shortcut through the woods and then eat you. So you, know, you could bring some of that in if you wanted to also. Have there be werewolves who are very big bad wolf inspired. Speaking of big bad wolves and things you can bring in, the final thing I'd like to do here is talk about the strength and challenges. And I mention this in the context of big bad wolves oh, because okay. one of, I think, the strengths is as we've kind of touched on, this is a wonderful, archetypal, powerful setting of mm-hmm. the dark fairy tale forest, the black forest, the deep dark woods that Hansel and Gretel are going into. And that is a thing that is kind of missing from 5e. Like mm-hmm. that is a unfilled niche and an unfilled genre. You have some dark fantasy, a good like dark high fantasy setting with Darkon, but you really don't have that Brothers Grimm Black Forest anymore. And mm-hmm. that's what this can be. And even more than a lot of the ones we've come up with, this is one where I feel like you could fit this into that pre-existing unified core. You don't have to be doing a Disney Kingdom Hearts, Disney movie, Disney movie, Disney movie. <laughs> you could be doing, especially with 5e, Ravenloft Domain, Ravenloft Domain, Ravenloft Domain, then come to this domain. Because that is a kind of unfulfilled horror niche. And I think you also have this good core metaphor that we have. The whole reason we wanted to do this was that metaphor of the beautiful surface, the ugly reality, that that's a really powerful metaphor. And that's something that can drive a lot of engagement. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to come up with encounters, NPCs, plot hooks, that's a very rich well to like kind of keep drawing your water from is Mm -hmm. that... It's all about the beautiful surface versus the ugly reality. Rachel, what about some of the challenges? Well, you notice that when we're talking about the strengths, we keep talking about the forest and the mountains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the political setting, it, it's nothing. It's yeah. there are there are four humans in this <laughs> yeah, movie. Right. I tried, guys. I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And you did wonderfully. But it's the stuff that we were able to come up with. Elizabeth Bathory. That's a cool thing. That that is that is fun. You can get some good stuff out of it. But. Other than that, most of the stuff we were able to come up with for kind of the political setup and the urban aspects of this domain are done better in other domains. Yeah. So, Even others we've come up with. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've had other, like, paranoid police states. Mm-hmm. So you are going to have to do a lot of work just to be kind of, like, fleshing out these cities and settlements and whatnot. You know, once again, there's kind of the Dark Lord plot armor with not being able to overthrow the government. Although that's the, the more we've talked about it, the more I like. Even though you can't overthrow her, there's so much you can do. I feel like there are a lot of ways you can poke Narcissa in the eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like more so than some of the other Dark Lords that we've talked about. It's especially nice that she's got this curse. And there's this whole sort of idea that, like, yeah, the more she draws on magic, the more the ground under her feet is crumbling. So you get that wonderful victory of, like, oh, okay. She's still the queen, and she's going to maintain the queen, but wow, we really set her back far. Like, she is going to have to use a lot of magical power to Mm -hmm. fix this, and that's going to bring her much closer to that unfired curse gun going off. Like, I feel like Beauty and the Beast, we had a much better paranoid police state Uh than this, but also you you can do much more to set back Narcissa than you can to do to set back Gaston. So, before we rejoin our narrator and find out where she is going next, let's talk about how you could tell us what dark fairy tale adventures. Why did you decide to put this in the old Ravenloft core? <laughs> and was it Borka? So, Rachel, <laughs> how Borka? can they tell us if they decided to have it be Borka? Well, you can email us at wonderfulworldofdarklords at gmail.com. 
You can find us on either Facebook or Tumblr at Wonderful World of Dark Lords. If you really want to have mm-hmm. wild, in-depth conversations Indeed. with us, then you can pop over to our Patreon, which exists now. Yeah, as it does. So, for some reason, I guess somebody else tried to get Wonderful World of Dark Lords at some point. I don't know. So we're Wonderful World of Dark Lords 651, is what I decided. So just <laughs> search for us, you'll find us. Yeah. But it's $2 a month, and your $2 gets you access to our Discord, which is really cool and really fun. fun. And it's, like, as as we speak, there are conversations going on about domains with Kaiju mm-hmm. and domains with Tron. Yeah. And Owl House and Gravity Falls and come, 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 I've never even, come join our Discord. I've never even seen Owl House and there's like a whole thread about making that a domain, so. And it made me go, dang, I, I should watch, watch Owl House. House. <laughs> Speaking of our Patreon, we said previously that if we got $25 in our tip jar, then we were going to do a book club of dread of yes, Hocus indeed. Pocus and the all-new sequel. Somebody really wants us to they do that really because don't want you to have a good time. <laughs> the very next day, we got <laughs> quite a generous tip in their tip jar. We don't know who it was. Red Circle doesn't tell us. Sorry. Whoever you are, thank you. We're not ingrates. We didn't like fail to send you an email because we were ungrateful. We are incredibly grateful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Like that was awesome. <laughs> email us and we'll send you the Discord link. Yeah, really. You, you <laughs> So, Book Club of Dread of Hocus Pocus, the all-new sequel, is coming. Mm -hmm. But on Patreon, if we get up to $20 a month on our Patreon, we are going to start making Book Club of Dread a regular feature for patrons. Yes, we are. So, you get to hear our takes on very bad or very gonzo Disney slash Ravenloft slash Gothic novels. Also, Patreons get free access links to all of the pay stuff on DMs Guild. As always, the domain write-ups, like the one for this domain, are always free. But if it's something more substantial than that, like our Sleepy Hollow adventure, that is pay. But if you're Patreon, you get that for free as well. And there is a pay thing coming up. I am in a couple of months that I am quite proud of. Indeed. And then speaking of our DM skills content. Uh, yes, if you like our horror and especially getting into some of the more adult edged horror with the various ways Narcissa could be draining people's youth, (laughs) then I have a couple of horror movies I've adapted into 5e adventures. I have some specifically to run as part of Curse of Strahd and also some that are setting neutral. And you can find those on DMs Guild if you just, you know, click on the link for this domain and then poke around the other things by this author. And if you like the way we've been fairly sensitive about doing this for younger children, we have some very, I think, if I may toot my own horn, well-made resources for running, like, spookier, more horror-themed stuff for children and for younger players. And same deal, you'll find them on DMs Guild if you just poke around the Tom Kohler author section. And then speaking of children, I have a picture book, Mother Ghost Nursery Rhymes for Little Monsters. It's exactly what it sounds like. You can also find my short stories for adults, most of which are available online for free, uh, on my website, www.rachelkohler.com. Until next time, thank you for listening, and happy gaming. Parting thoughts. I confess that I have never been so tempted to abandon my duties and remain in a domain as I was in the Queenswood. Not because I wish to settle there, far from it, but because I would like nothing more than to see Narcissa driven into the forest that she so hates and fears that whatever darkness she brings in her heart may consume her. However, I have a task to perform, and I will perform it. I admit that my investigation of Narcissa may have gotten somewhat out of hand, 
Nonetheless, you are the one who told me that I should not let my nerves interfere with my work, and that I should rely upon the powers you gave me. I did so, and I learned the fate of Narcissa's attendants, the fate that she doubtless wishes to visit upon Snow White should she ever reappear from the forest. This information could well be valuable to you, although I cannot be sure as I still do not know exactly what you wish to learn from this survey. At any rate, I did leave the Queen's Hood behind me, despite my desire to change the lot of its young women for the better. Holding a gold coin as a mist talisman, I reflected that the next domain on my itinerary was not likely to fill me with such hope. Every town has good moments and bad, and sometimes the good predominates for a time. But not in Nottingham. Regards, D. Your curiosity is one of your more admirable qualities, my little servant. Be assured that, in time, you may learn of your patron's plans. For the time being, continue to treat all knowledge as valuable. A single grain of truth can reveal obfuscated details, even to one such as I, whose knowledge of these realms surpasses all others. In this case, your tenacity has revealed a source of Narcissus' power. A bargain with hags to maintain her control over the realm, no doubt. The magic she possesses to remain youthful in appearance is an old, crude ritual. Disappointing, but useful. Bargaining with the Fae is a fool's errand. Such promises are nigh impossible to break as, much like the chaotic effects of wild magic, Fae magic has the tendency to develop a life of its own. The Queenswood may be under similar influences, which would account for the illusionary horrors that manifest within. However, if this Snow White lives and is pure of heart, then perhaps it could create a sanctuary of sort for her. However, if such a person exists beyond the imaginings of the peasantry, she would be as rare as an alluring hag. This has been The Wonderful World of Dark Lords. We have no affiliation with Disney or Wizards of the Coast. All music recordings used in this episode are in the public domain and were obtained through MuseOpen.org. Titles and links are in the show notes. Dialogue for Yensid was written by Azalyn Rex himself, who you can follow on Tumblr at DarkLordAzalyn. The Wonderful World of Dark Lords logo was designed by Haylight Jones. You can find links to their work in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, look for us on Patreon.com or find our tip jar on Red Circle. Thanks for listening! I think this page has literally every single Snow White mm-hmm. being queen quote on it. It's just a not- mm-hmm. Now turn red, tempt Snow White to make her hunger for a bite. Yes. We're getting back to hungering for a bite in, the, mm-hmm. in aging up.